Hello and welcome back to the Arc of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. And this is your two by two retro review for the month of May 2021. And it is also a crossover episode because this might be the most epic two by two pairing that we've ever done. And it's so epic, in fact, we had to bring on some co-hosts. The Brothers Blanchard are here. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone. I am Matthew Blanchard. With me, as always, is my brother. Patrick Blanchard. And we are the Brothers Blanchard. Here to kick it old school about some much better action movies. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not really. Okay. But Uh, yes, yes. we're here to help you Yes, the elder statesman of the Archive Network here to represent for uh for rocky i'm assuming i know that's at least yes i know that's at least where matt's energy is coming from patrick has been very specific about they're basically the same movie so i'm interested to see where he comes out overall and you know where gavin and i stand i i got dressed for the occasion i don't know if everybody can see this if anybody's watching at home maybe this is on patreon at some point or twitch as we were just discussing uh more on that later but we're here to finally do it. We've been teasing this for uh, quite a while. Well, indeed. Uh, you gentlemen just kicked off your brand new feed. Late, late fees waived with the Brothers Blanchard. That's available on Spotify, Stitcher, and elsewhere right now. You can, of course, get it at thearchivee.com. And we're working on Apple. Apple's having some, uh, some podcast issues as of late and i also know that a lot of people don't even listen on apple anymore so we will be on there eventually i I listen i listen on apple but what's what's a late fee (laughs) there used to be these things called video stores where you (laughs) would go and you would rent movies on on the popular mediums at the time beta and then vhs you had to use your hands (laughs) like a baby's toy (laughs) yes um perhaps that's your first episode of the new run is explaining to people what the hell a video store is or was rather talk them through it. Okay. We're talking Rocky and the karate kid. I'm going to try and keep us on track, but I feel like this is going to be a very free freewheeling discussion. So I'm going to try and apply a little structure here at the top and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. I want to know, what are your gentlemen's histories with these individual movies? Obviously, I'm assuming in both cases you saw Rocky first. So if you can, please take us back. Do, 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 do. Take us back and, and tell us about your experience. That was a very good Frank Stone. You just did it. I'm, I'm very pleased. Um, I actually did not see Rocky first, right? I, okay. I, Surprised. Am, I was born in 80. So... Karate Kid comes out 84, you know, the zeitgeist of that hits. I obviously end up kind of seeing that one first. I don't actually come to Rocky until I'm a teenager. Rocky, Rocky. Like, obviously on, you know, holidays and things like that, when cable networks ran all the Rockies back to back, I'd catch bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But experiencing the whole film in its entirety for the first time, I was, I want to say like, 1718. So Karate Kid is is the childhood relic, and Rocky is the thing that I kind of came to as an adult or a burgeoning adult. Okay. Um, 
And Patrick can probably tell a little bit more about the the sort of first experience with Karate Kid because his first experience with Karate Kid was my first experience with Karate Kid. I'm just younger and don't remember it as clearly. I mean, we didn't we didn't see it in the theater. Uh, it was one of those movies that we used to go to the video store. Uh, as a family, we would go there and rent movies uh, because yeah. a movie uh, was cheaper than going to a movie on video was to rented was cheaper than going to a movie in the theater for four people. Uh, so if you take uh, the money that you would spend on one and include popcorn and everything, uh, that's a justification for renting four movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it balances out the same and you get more for your entertainment dollar. Uh, Karate Kid was one of those we rented because uh, I was a kid. I was nine when it came out and I wanted to see it in the theater, but we didn't see it in the theater. So as soon as it hit video, we rented it. Um, And I, I, being nine and of the of the 80s generation, uh, or as I like to term myself, a a late stage Gen Xer. uh, Was immediately like, yes, this is this is the movement. This is the eighties. Uh, we were all waxing on, waxing off, trying to do this, <laughs> trying to do the, the, the crane kick. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it was, it was just uh, a whole bunch of uh, fifth graders going crazy. Uh, and my, my experience with Rocky isn't actually with Rocky first. Uh, I came to Rocky first through Rocky three because it hit HBO and gotcha. Uh, uh, I believe we watched it because dad wanted to see if this one wasn't crap too, as he put it. <laughs> okay. He was uh, saying this about three. So this was a reaction to two. No, no. That's a reaction to one, two, three. Okay. Yeah, so we, well, he was really, not a fan of so We, really, yeah, we need to get okay. him on then. We need to go talk to your dad and get him on and see what he thinks. Yeah. I would uh, love to hear oh, that conversation. Yeah. Sure. We'll save the franchise well, sure. debate no, for, no, for later you, on. But seriously, like, could you imagine our dad trying to like talk to your dad about like our dad's team Rocky, your dad's team Karate Kid? Oh, just dad's that not, that argument back and forth. Dad's not team Karate Kid either. He's like they're all terrible. More, more he's team both. He's team, Star Wars. Hates both. he's team Star Wars. Is that what you're um, saying? Like Star Wars all day long. His primary complaint. Uh, we will get there. Okay. I, I will bring up Joe Blanchard's primary complaint. Please, I, can't, I, can't, films, I can't wait to hear this. Um, Please do, because right now it's sounding like Joe Blanchard, not a fan of the underdog. And no. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised uh-huh. to hear that. He's, no, no. So, he's no, fine he's, with the underdog. He's not fine with the uh, sort of miraculous hero who can take on far too much damage. He wants <laughs> yeah. a he wants a, a boxing movie with realistic boxing, right? He wants a karate movie with realistic karate. And neither of these two movies exemplify the actual sportsmanship of either of these two things, either a karate tournament or a boxing match. You, uh, you mean to tell completely me. Completely cartoonish. You mean to tell me that the All Valley Karate Tournament was not the pinnacle of the sport at the time? Wait, wait, you mean to tell well, me that? Well, was no, not... it's clearly not the pinnacle of any sports because the pinnacle of sports is Super Fight 2. Super fight two, which is Rocky two. Okay, I was um, gonna say you telling me you you tell me that the the heavyweight champ of the world just doesn't pick random dudes at will to fight for no reason all the time. Rudy like, was the pinnacle. That thought yeah, it's not for no reason, right? Okay, he had a reason, man. The other guy backed out of the fight because he broke his arm. Hmm. 
he spent money. He had to get his, he had to recoup his investment on Super Fight One. So you got to find a club boxer. That's how it works. Hmm. And uh, like Matthew, uh, I didn't come to Rocky. Well, I came to Rocky in my my early teens, where once again uh, we were at the video store, and I'm like, "Hey, I want to rent Rocky," and the response was. Do you have your own money to rent that? <laughs> um, no. Okay, then we're going to have to negotiate here because you're going to make me pay for that. I feel like we had similar conversations with dad at roughly similar times, uh, but about five years apart. Pretty much. Whereas like our dad is so excited that he, one, he found a copy of Kazam and two, he learned how to do screensavers that like he... You know, that was his favorite thing about going to the video store. The, the, about, he just loved it that one time that he brought us home. Kazam. I'm sorry. He found a copy of what film? Kazam. You know, the, Shaq, the, the alternate Shaquille. reality Shaq movie. Yes. Oh, Shaquille. no, no, no. That's Shazam. Sorry. Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. Shazam is the. Sorry, I was uh, having a Berenstein, Berenstein yeah. Bears conversation earlier. So all that uh, alternate reality shit stuck in my head. You were having the EDM effect. Is that what that is? I've heard of that. Did you just coin that seriously? I did. I think I just did just coined that the EDM okay. effect. Yeah. yeah, let's let's try and make that a thing. That's what for you sure. purposely missed. It's definitely a good idea. The Mandela effect. It's the okay. EDM effect. Here are your folks. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and it. to to it. to go back to Rocky, I'm These roughly <laughs> the same age as the film. Mm-hmm. Like uh I was I was born in mid seventy five. The movie came out in seventy six. Uh, so Rocky's been with me like the whole time. Uh, but as we'll find when we get to talking about the franchises, Matthew and I are members of very different Rocky franchises. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's a that is when we get to franchises. Uh, Rocky's unique in that. We'll have a we'll have some convo about that. But yes, yes. But uh, so our I, takes I, on Rocky aren't the same, um, and I think our takes on Karate Kid probably aren't really the same because my memory of of Karate Kid One is a little bit fuzzier, right? Like the the first cinematic experience because I was I was four or five when the video came out. Um, the one that I remember more clearly is uh, Karate Kid Part Two, like with I, I specifically remember the 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 clapper thing like that mm-hmm. was a big thing for you know six seven year old me um and that stuck out karate kid one a little less indelible um in my memory because i was just a little bit younger gotcha um gav i i think we're pretty well on the record of our history with karate kid but do you remember the first time you watched rocky though mm. Probably, oh man, it would have been like right after we got back from Japan. So maybe like 97, 98 on TV somewhere. And I was probably what, 10, 11 years old. Yeah. I'm feeling like the, the TNT, like Thanksgiving day marathons or just them being maybe. in the constant rotation. And in the same yeah. way that you were saying that you came to it through three, I think four was probably the first one I saw and then did not see the OG until like way down the road, like start to finish. And this time going back was the first time in quite a while. Uh, as I mentioned with you guys on the last time we recorded, I, I've been through the franchise and different pieces of it several times, but 
I very rarely go back to the very beginning. So it was, it was kind of like watching it with completely fresh eyes in a lot of ways, which was, which was nice and surprising for such a classic movie. Uh, I think somewhere along. Yeah, the I had the I opposite it. experience. Okay. With, with Karate Kid, this was my first time going back to Karate Kid One. That's right. A very long time. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll when we were talking about this last time, I don't know if we recorded at that point. I will share the same anecdote. I did not rewatch Rocky. I don't right. have to. Mm-hmm. Like I have that movie memorized. So I focused purely on Karate Kid. Um, maybe to my own detriment. We'll see. Something happened to me along the way where I, in watching it on TV, it wasn't until like maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago that I didn't realize he loses in the first movie because Mm. I remember like they jumbled together and I remember watching like, oh, he's fighting this guy and then like he wins and there's the whole like, I did it like, yo, Adrian, I did it and like, you know, talking to everybody. So the first time I watch it on its own and it's like, that ending happens where it's just the two of them. And I'm like, wait a minute. They just said he lost. I thought he won this thing. And then I had the realization that, Oh, I must've not picked that up. I probably shouldn't tell anybody that ever. And so As there you go. To telling everybody now, right now. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, sometimes he, he ties his ankles together and sometimes he chases chickens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're different movies and I always expect to see him chase the chickens and Rocky. Cause right. I'm like, oh, that's iconic. Mm-hmm. No, that's Rocky right. too. Nope. Right. It's Rocky too. Um, and, and technically, I mean, loses by split decision is not technically losing. No, no, it's a loss. An L is an L. Okay. In in boxing, an L is an L. Uh, close uh, close in, is only for horseshoes and yes. hand grenades, fellas. An L is an L, but you know, it, it, it will have it the was a Purex victory for Rocky. It'll have an asterisk next to it, and it needs a rematch, right? Right. Apollo Creed cannot let that split decision stand. It's going to be a rematch. Have. Don't want one. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't be bringing <laughs> you know quotes from Rocky One in. Oh wait, that's the one we're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I just want to put on record right now. My favorite line of that entire franchise is the fourth one when he's like, throw the damn towel. I don't know why, but Apollo's trainer, dude, uh, what's his face? He's, um, he's, he's Wells and, um, and assault on precinct 13, but when he throw the damn towel, that's my favorite line in the entire franchise. I just want to say that out loud right now. I just, I love Duke just in, through yeah. the whole franchise. Yes. Like, I'm not going to lie. He's the best, yes, hands down. but I think his, his finest moment is not throw the damn towel. It is. It's the training montage in Rocky Balboa. Oh, you know, when he's like, "Let's start building some hurting bombs." We gotta save the franchise talk, gentlemen. I, I, we'll I save it for later. We'll save it for later. But you know, he he's a through line character because uh, his importance is in in the film Rocky is out of everybody. He is the first yeah. one who starts to see and take him seriously. Such right. a great scene yes. when he's yeah. Hey champ, you better come watch this guy. He's on TV. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, this is this this may not be a joke. What are we doing here? Oh, yeah. fuck, he's a lefty. <laughs> and you know, carrying that forward again, franchise conversation later, that starts the turn in Rocky too, where he's like, you you maybe should not be doing this again, champ. That man doesn't quit you know that's so you beat him down is, is, and he yeah. kept coming yep. <laughs> you put a hurt on him and he still came after you 
Okay. Duke is all is just as important as Mickey. But since we're talking primarily about Rocky One and Karate Kid, we're, we're going to focus on Mickey for a moment because Mickey's our Miyagi. Right. <laughs> Except um, he doesn't really care, and he's jaded, and he doesn't like, and he doesn't like uh, Ralph right. Macchio. I mean, no, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> And after that life of crime didn't work out and Adam West put him to put him in jail so many times, he decided, you know what, I'll give this up and I'll just teach boxing. I'll do that. Although in, in many ways, uh, in, in the real world, this is a, this is a defining moment for Bur- Burgess Meredith, who in the 50s uh, was blacklisted because of uh, either real or perceived communist uh, connections. I'm, I'm not Did sure. Did not he was... know about that. That's very yeah. interesting. Uh, uh, Batman was sort of his return uh, to acting uh, and I'm not sure if, if it's something that he really wanted or it was a case of uh, I really I gotta need, eat I, I gotta eat I, I like acting uh, <laughs> right. and this, this 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 is a kind of acting I ain't never gonna be no lead man I gotta get my mug on the on screen somehow yeah um uh so with rocky winning uh the academy award and everything and all that went into it it's 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 a well it's a it's kind of a storied movie in and of itself with regards to that because i don't know if it's actually it's one of those debated movies of whether it was worthy of winning the best picture Quite, right. quite the year at the Oscars, we can have that conversation for sure. And w- what has stood up over the test of t- uh, over time, which I think Rocky inarguably has. And again, we'll, we'll get further into that. This seems redundant, obviously. People know these movies, but for the sake of, of just setting us off, either of you gentlemen, can you give me in 60 seconds or less, just give me a plot description for Rocky from 1976. We'll let Matthew right. do this because Matt- as we discovered in, in, in our various uh, horror genres going through, uh, if I'm going to recap a plot, I can do it in the time that the movie happens. Go, Matthew. Uh, understood. Yeah. And I will, I will count you down and I am going to time you. You have 60 seconds. Gavin, you're up next for Karate Kid. So be thinking and prepping. Oh, I, don't, okay? I don't get to give mine for Rocky. All right. That's cool. I mean, well, I mean, opposing sides here. Everybody yeah. can, but yeah. if everybody gives their own little 60 second, like, you know, always oh, this and that, it's, yeah, I can, I can do karate kid. No, that's fine. Okay. Right. Matthew, so whenever, Rocky, whenever you're ready. Yes. Rocky's the story of a club boxer who is also a leg breaker for a local mob boss. He's absolutely down on his luck. He's the biggest loser in the world. He's the guy who walks past the, uh, the pet shop every day because he's got a crush on the girl inside. Um, Rocky is never going to uh, get beyond his station in life because Rocky has, has never really owned his place in the world. He doesn't really belong with the rest of society. Even his own gym uh, is kicking him out, basically. 30 but seconds. Somebody, okay, somebody sees him on television and matches him up as a possible sparring partner for Apollo Creed, who is billing up for this big fight to celebrate the centennial, bicentennial. But then the actual fighter that he's supposed to fight drops out. Rocky gets his big break. Mickey decides that he wants to ride that train to success, and train Rocky comes around on him. Uh, Finally, Rocky 
convinces Adrian that she should date him. It's, it's icky. We'll talk about it later. Uh, and then we finally get to the fight, which for Rocky is not about winning, but is an endurance trial. He just wants to go the distance, and he does. One minute and 15 seconds. Pretty pretty concise. Right. He didn't say the word Pauly once. Only, only, only point I'm going to deduct. Gavin, you're hey, up Pauly. next. The clock starts when you start talking, okay? The Karate Kid from 1984. A young kid from New Jersey is forced to move out to the West Coast with his mother due to a recent job change. And uh, once he finds himself on the West Coast, he realizes that, you know what, things are a lot different here than they are in Jersey. He happens upon a group of friends who he thinks are his, you know, pretty cool people. And while hanging out one night, he meets a lovely girl at a bonfire on a beach because people like bonfires on beaches. Unbeknownst to him, her ex-boyfriend shows up and he just wants to talk and get back together. But unfortunately, she's not having any of it, any of it. And our young hero, Daniel, inserts himself where he's not welcome. And the film proceeds to show you several different times where Daniel says 30 seconds. He would, uh, you know, he's trying to, you know, fit in and. You know, it's just not working and eventually being bullied and bullied and bullied and bullied, whether he started or not. Um, the old man who repairs things around his apartment complex comes to his aid and eventually winds up teaching him the art of Miyagi karate. And uh, this all culminates in the All Valley under 18 karate tournament, which is maybe or maybe not the same kind of climactic ending as uh, as Rocky. One minute and one second. Okay. I feel like I feel like I gotta take some points on this, right? Because I did include a lot more of the actual events. One hundred percent. I didn't hear the words crease. I didn't hear. Nope. Uh, I didn't hear anything about being the best. Halloween around. ass whooping. Yes, I didn't hear anything about a shower curtain costume, skeletons. I didn't hear any of it. You wanted all that in plot time. I gave you the entire plot of the movie. What more do you want? He did a pretty great job. Fair. Both you of you guys to, did. Do you want me to say, oh, both movies scored by Bill Conti? Do you want that? Hey, you want it's that? not. Hey, and we can. I don't think we've said it out loud yet. Same director, uh, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, so <laughs> why we're pitting them this, against each listen, other? Who really a, knows? This is a perfect time for my take. All right. Because I told you about it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get in depth for a second. Yes. Okay. Rocky is what happens when you are past your prime and you never ask for help at all with anything. And the karate kid is you ask for help early and then you peak in high school and that's it. And of course, like Rocky is a love story. That's what I I told you that Rocky just is effectively just a love story. As Matthew alluded to, he doesn't like find himself in society. He doesn't know he hasn't owned anything. And through like the events of the movie, not only does Rocky find love with Adrian, but Rocky finds love within himself. Like he learns to love mm-hmm. himself and loves what he is. So Rocky at his core is a love story wrapped up in a boxing movie, wrapped up in a bicentennial celebration of this great country we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a fair take. Um, yeah. I buy it. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways, uh, uh, a plot description of Rocky is uh, extremely there because all Rocky is is plot. There's no, <laughs> there's no movie there. There's no antagonist because Apollo is not an antagonist. He's a plot device. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, there. There's all He's the, the things, antagonist and the protagonist. 
everything that should make a movie work isn't there. Rocky succeeds by failing, which is Rocky. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, I'll I'll take that because you do kind of put the pin on that by saying that is Rocky, but Rocky is not. It's not a narrative. It's a character study, right? Right. That's the whole 70s. point of Rocky. Is it's about Rocky versus himself. It's about Rocky overcoming Rocky. Uh, and one of the things that you said while we were talking about this, Patrick, uh, is Rocky endures the events of Rocky. And that makes him a character. He is not a fully fleshed out character until he lands that last punch on Creed. So it's it's that 70s maverick, let's dive down and really strip down this process storytelling uh, that makes Rocky what it is. Karate Kid has none of that. It's a straightforward narrative. Right? Mm-hmm. But they both have you know, a fight at the end. <laughs> and they have the same visual look because Avildsen cannot help but use the exact same framing in every movie he makes. That's why they feel the same because they look the same. Some call that uh, auteur theory, maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. I call it standard blocking. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, I was going to say, Rocky, uh, rewatching it this time, it is one of those where it's like, yeah, you have in your head, I'm like, 70s character study. This was before it became like a big blockbuster franchise. But even for being a movie of that era, it is very classically shot. It's still very kind of like locked down. There's not there's not a lot of verite style to it. Now there's no, but part of that works because the movie, as you mentioned, I mean, we get we open with a fight, kind of a fight, <laughs> a, a scrap right. between him and Spider, um, and we then there's nothing for yeah an hour and forty five minutes, yeah. Just Rocky wandering around. Of, yes, if, if you were coming to this thinking, oh, this is a boxing movie, like maybe I'll see him have an actual like sparring session with somebody in the middle in the training sequence or something like that. Uh, but you, it's still very, very, like I said, traditionally shot until we get to that final sequence where all of the sudden. Yeah he's this really small fish in a giant pond all of a sudden. Yep. And there's the spectacle of the fight and all of Apollo's get up, etc. And then the actual like editing in that final sequence is like masterful. I see it totally like worthy of the Oscar, even though again, that's another one. I got to see what it was up against that year because that's a killer year right. for movies anyways. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, and rewatching that's Karate Ableton's Kid is also yeah. It's very it's very traditional, I would say, very very workmanlike. It's not trying too hard. It tells the story, and it's got a little. It's got moments though in both movies of poetry in the visuals here and there. It, it finds little tiny moments yes. to actually like be visually compelling. And a lot of the rock. Ableton's also a, a, a theatrical director, right? Like he's letting his actors, you know really shine by letting so much of the film in both cases play out in a master shop. You know, let's do this in one. Go ahead and just, you know, go for it. And it really, really works. When it, it, works. it works in Rocky and a lot. And it really, really doesn't when it doesn't. And, and it um, But it works a lot in Rocky. And, and they didn't have much works, of a choice. It, it, yeah. Yeah, um, because they were shooting kind of, you know, 
they didn't have permits for a lot of making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, They're just, you know, setting up in Philly and recording what they can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the fact when, when the negotiations, because uh, uh, Stallone was in for an audition for another movie and the producers liked him, but didn't like him for that movie. Uh, so he's like, right. oh, I'm also a script writer. And they're like, oh, what do you got? And he pitched them Rocky. He didn't have a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he, they were like, oh, yeah, give us more. Give us more. And so he, he went home and, and hand wrote Rocky and, and delivered it. <laughs> and he said, uh, uh, I can give this to you, but, but I got to be in it. Mm-hmm. And they'd already sold the idea. And uh, yeah. when they went back and like, yeah, but we got to we got to hire the writer. They were like, oh, well, let's just take away like five million right off the top. Right. Because we need Burt Lancaster for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, every instance, it got dropped and it got dropped and the budget got dropped. And that's part of the reason why Philly is a character. Philadelphia is a character in Rocky because they were shooting guerrilla style and they needed things to make it interesting. Uh, yeah. So they're like, Oh, you're running. All right. So we're in the truck beside you turn it on. And like, that's the scene where Rocky like Stallone suddenly just like fucking hauls ass. Mm-hmm. And everyone afterwards is like, no, that's really him. Like suddenly out of nowhere, there's this burst of speed and they're following in the truck and they're getting the background uh, under the bridge and the train and the water and everything so much of it is just happenstance yeah. uh and it's yep. it's it's ha- it's happy accident filmmaking that if it had been shot with money and they had gotten the stars they wanted uh they also would have had work. a different director <laughs> mm-hmm. uh because they had a different director they've had a different film too yeah because largely when the budget got cut Stallone had to really kind of take the scissors to this movie Right. So w- exactly what you were commenting on earlier, that you get an hour into the movie before you actually see anybody else throw a punch other than Rocky in that uh, church fight with Spider Rico mm-hmm. is because all the fighting got cut. Right. There were sparring sessions. There was time in an actual gym where they were shooting. And that was going to be that was going to serve as two different gyms, one for Apollo's camp, one for Rocky's camp. There was going to be training. There was going to be another fight but that's all the stuff that costs money so when you have to film on on this much smaller budget what do you cut do you cut the big action piece that's actually not necessary because really what only drives your movie is the one at the end or do you cut the relationship with adrian which is the story you're really trying to tell you beef Mm -hmm. up adrian instead of the fight and it becomes a character study because you lose all the action set pieces that you needed for it to be something else. And uh, going back to the editing about that, that fight, that, that fight is interesting because for two days of filming, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't get it to work. So Avildsen uh, being the director he is and Stallone being the quarrelsome writer that he was, because uh, there was, there was, there was back in stunt coordinator. <laughs> They, they came to like, it, it was a, it was not working. Yeah, I know it's not working. Why don't you just go home and block it out beat for beat, blow for blow? And uh, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Like it ended up being like 75 pages of blocking for that fight. 
and it's uh, a completely unrealistic fight because I really got into boxing uh, because me and my oh, friends like Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I grew up in the era of, of Mike Tyson pay-per-views mm-hmm. uh, where uh, uh, the company got sued because they only had him on a fight. And uh, in the, in the fight, Mike Tyson knocked somebody out in 90 seconds. Right. And people, yes. people paid 80 bucks for a 90 second fight. Yeah. So after that, they started bulking up undercards and it was like a four hour event. So me and my friends are always like 80, <laughs> 80 bucks for four hours of boxing. Hell yeah. Right. Uh, all um, because we were like, we like Rocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get too much further, let's maybe, let's maybe take a deeper look at our, our main protagonist. Let's talk about Rocky Balboa versus okay. Daniel LaRusso. Uh, right. Compare and contrast, gentlemen. Yes. Well, I think, and this is where talking about sort of the in the, you know, the initial entry in both franchises does do a bit of a disservice to Daniel LaRusso. Because um, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Avildsen does kind of lean on his experience with Rocky in helping to develop Daniel LaRusso. Mm-hmm. Right, the the mumbling to himself while it's coherent coming out of Ralph Macchio's mouth. 100%. That is directly a Rocky Balboa thing. Right. Um, and, you know, you get a clearer, more defined uh, LaRusso in the later films who is very different from Rocky. That said, you also get a Rocky Balboa in the later films who is very different <laughs> from Rocky. Right. Um, I... It's hard to really uh, define them without talking about the sort of hero's journey that each is on and indicating that Rocky really isn't a character. He's a caricature until the end, right? Because Rocky starts the movie as, as the heavy, right? He's the, he's the tough from a movie because that's what Stallone was used to playing, and he wanted to write a script where what if the what if the tough gets the girl? What if the tough becomes the hero? Mm-hmm. Right. And the film does so much of the squaring the circle of making that happen. We don't really learn a lot about Rocky through this process, except that Rocky's at a at a crossroads uh, that he's fine with. Like Rocky's fine being that guy who beats people up at the docks and threatens to break their thumbs. For Tony Gaza, he's fine with that, mm-hmm. you know, as long as he can box. But even the boxing doesn't seem like it's something he really cares about until he's presented with the opportunity to fight Creed. And in in that, we still don't learn much about him. So while it is a character character study, it's a it's a deconstructionist character study because we're we're building the we're taking the building blocks of the character that we want him to be at the end and weaving them throughout the film. He's more behavior than any actual like depth to here's why he is the way he is. It's more just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, and I, I don't mean to be critical, but there's a lot of energy. (laughs) There's a lot of energy in the Stallone performance of like, well, here's where I'm really going to show them. I'm really going to like, this is a showcase yeah. for me. And I kind of want to ask you point blank. 
in these two movies specifically, who's which is the better performance? Ralph Macchio. We're not even taking into account Ooh. age. Ralph Macchio right. as the character Daniel LaRusso or Sly Stallone as the character of Rocky Balboa. What do you think is a better performance? I'm I'm actually going to say Stallone. Okay. Um, and it hinges on something that Ralph Macchio does not do at all in the film. Ralph Macchio does not have any real quiet moments to reflect on who Daniel LaRusso is and show us Daniel LaRusso at rest, right? Mm -hmm. Daniel always in motion. Rocky has these two moments that, that circle each other that let us know who he is. He has the moment when he steps into the ring by himself the first time. Such a good scene. The room is empty and you feel the weight of the impending fight on him and it's all done in Stallone's eyes. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do anything else. His mouth doesn't move. He doesn't react except by looking around the room and the, the framing of the room being so much bigger than him. Followed by the run-up to the, to the top of the steps, mm -hmm. right? Where, yeah, he has that hand that, that, that goes up, but there's so much elation on his face, right? Stallone is able to, to show us that this was the mountain he had to climb. This was the moment where he accepted himself without ever saying it, right? Mm -hmm. So much so that not only is the is the fight almost unnecessary, the climax is getting up the steps on this on the what the third try, um, but it, that's the moment where Rocky becomes Rocky, and Daniel doesn't have any of those kinds of moments. His are, are much more didactic. He gets to tell us where he is, mm -hmm. and he gets to have his progress defined for him as a character by Miyagi. I was I bring it up because I also agree with you. And I think in my memory, I I had the more two, three, and four, excuse me, two through five image of Rocky in my head. And two some of v. the two through V. Excuse me. Yes, two through V. It's not let's <laughs> yeah. not speak out of turn. Um, and I think I had like that that image in my head and going back to this, it's exactly what you were talking about. Way more of an internal uh, performance than I like remembered at all. And so much that yes, is a hundred percent on his face. And I agree. Uh, but I also in going back to this because I'm uh, not to bring in the franchise, but I'm so in the current day, Ralph Macchio head of like how he is on Cobra Kai, which is a very different Daniel than even we've gotten right. in any of the movies that going back to the, the Ur text and seeing him like the early format, I'm like at for a child performance at the time. And obviously he'd been in like what outsiders prior and a few other things. Maybe in outsiders, uh, he'd done series work. He was uh, like a series regular for a while on eight is enough. It, and it's not a child performance. The dude was 22 years old. Ex exactly. Yeah. But I, he, somehow manages to like play play young but have that wizened or wizened quality yeah. of okay but he feels more like it because he was at the time which of course i know so by the time you're getting, 
Right. By the time you get to part three, he's what in his like mid thirties, I think, yep. or like early thirties. Well, yeah, it'd be like eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, is that eighty nine or ninety? Yeah. So he he's like late twenties, into thirties. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. I mean, Johnny Johnny was the only teenager of the the main teenagers cast. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a difference there between the uh, the Daniel of one and the Daniel of the later movies. And uh, I haven't watched Cobra Kai. I've just seen some clips, and there's clearly a, a an altogether third Daniel Larusso here. A hundred percent. You can argue that while the externalized performance of Rocky that that comes in Rocky two through Creed two, uh, you could argue though that that is still the same character. He's just got a vocabulary uh, to, to tell us what he's feeling now rather than showing us his internal life. Well, um, that's what happens when you get shamed for not knowing how to read. I mean, right. you yeah. really got to learn how to read. You got to learn how to write and talk. I mean, he gets smarter exactly. the more he gets beaten in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's like but, his uh, weird but superpower. But Daniel's journey, oddly, is the reverse, where um, Rocky is an internal character who uh, who overcomes his his sort of shortcomings and becomes this externalized version? All of uh, having just rewatched one, two, and three on television, uh, the journey for Daniel is internalized and rarely expressed. We just mm-hmm. see it happen. Right. Absolutely. Gav. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Just <laughs> any thoughts on Daniel versus Rocky? You know, I mean, going back and watching the first one again, um, apart from the uh, the back and forth between Adrian and Polly, and I was like, are they like, are they fishing for Oscars here? Like, this is seventies. Like, they're giving it all they got. I get it. There are a few, like Matthew said, there's a few parts in it with his performance of it, and again, kind of coming into this realization now through listening to this that like you know he's he is the protagonist and the antagonist it's he's just there it's a it's a 70s character study i i could see where i would lend i would if i'm picking if i'm on if i'm trying to give an accolade to someone for their performance i would lean more towards stallone in that aspect and as much as i love the karate kid and everything like that i my first initial viewing will always be that like he was the underdog and he was the kid who, you know, didn't fit in. He was not from there and all that kind of stuff, but it still is being colored more and more through the the modern day lens of like, no dude, you kind of inserted yourself where you weren't wanted. And like, you were kind of a prick too. Like Johnny was just rolling a joint in the bathroom, man. You didn't have to spray water on him. He let it go. You know, he said he was going to like straighten up and fly right, you know, for his senior year. You pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. Maybe you got what you deserved. You know what I mean? Like there's so much of that now, which I guess you can say is like revisionist history or like, you know, how we choose to look at it now. And again, Cobra Kai is coloring that and that performance. But I also can't think of anything in that performance that I could argue is like, well, here's the standout moment where you're like, okay. This is who he is other than the whole thing where he's like, he's been injured and he's like, yeah, man, can you do anything for me? Cause like, if I go down now, 
That's I got nothing. The, what what can I do? I that's all I can 100% do is, the scene. That's yes. the only one I can think of because he's like, you know, I yeah, okay, I can prove to those guys I can take a beating, which that's a perfect thing to be like, what I can prove to those guys I could be like Rocky Balboa or something and just take a beating <laughs> right, and keep right. moving. That would have been the perfect, no perfect thing to just throw in the to be like, oh hey guys, remember I, I made that movie. Just just letting you know that. <laughs> and then keep on rolling. That would have right. been perfect. But that's the only scene in the movie that like I can relate with them like okay i'm you know if, if i can't finish doing this i got nothing well okay great i can take a beating you can beat me if you like you know shatter my leg and disable me can you give me anything to get me back in the fight that and probably the i don't know the it, it kind of plays into both things about the kind of character daniel is he's so quick to be like oh fuck this bitch she didn't really care about me she really wanted johnny the whole time even though it's like, you know, it's, very, it's a very 80s conceit, of though. Course, you always a, walk in at right, the most yeah, inopportune exactly. moment. You got to see the wrong people kissing exactly. out of context. But then it's the, got to ruin the movie for 10 minutes and then right, you figure the, it all out. But yeah. the turnaround of that of like, oh, hey, all right, yo, I'm sorry this. But will you come watch me? Like, I could get my ass kicked. It is what it is. I'll be we'll leave early if that happens. I love that, that it's the next stuff. day. Right. Hey, remember, I got that tournament tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, that entire series is not even remember it's i suppose you've heard about the tournament right referencing the fact that in the script he's never talked to her about karate exactly she's telling him everything like okay here's a point there's a point it's like because she's clearly been there the last two years when johnny won yeah exactly okay I do want to. We gotta obviously have the Miyagi and well, I don't get conversation. To but, oh, excuse me. I don't get me. to have my yes, high school. No, ab- absolutely. Jump in. I thought you no, kind of no, like no, 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 no. It's guys. Saturday night. It's all right. We can <laughs> we can make it happen, baby. Just let the man talk. I'm so sorry, Patrick. Cause, Please my, do. Yes. My my compare contrast revolves around uh, two aspects. Daniel, while an unlikable character <laughs> is relatable one man's yes yes okay and then rocky while a likable character in spite of the horrible <laughs> things he does as a, as a thumb breaker and everything is unrelatable mm-hmm. uh the universality like you can relate yeah you you've been a dude that likes a girl or you've been a girl that likes a dude or you've been a dude that likes a dude there, there are things in in Daniel that that draw you in, that bring you to the character and the film in a way that you are on the inside looking out. In Rocky, mm-hmm. it's not there. You are on the outside looking in. Um, their their characters are both underdogs, but they are two different ranges on the spectrum, and you can't really talk about that without talking about America and the emblematic nature of 1976 versus 1984. It's only eight years difference, but it's a huge, huge mm-hmm. difference in that 76, we were just coming out of Vietnam. America didn't like itself. America was beaten. Like it, it threw we lost. Over itself. Like it was, it, it, it was not a good time. And Rocky, Rocky is that like it is beat down. It, it did what it was supposed to. Like Rocky, Rocky lived his life. He did everything that he was supposed to. He didn't step beyond. He didn't fall behind. He he did what he was taught. He did what he was supposed to. And he's a failure. And he gets a second shot. He get, he gets that moment to prove. And yeah. that, that's mm-hmm. the turning point. And the Karate Kid, 
Daniel is emblematic. 84 is when finally uh, it felt, and as a kid, it was a turning point. It felt like all the bad stuff was gone. Like America now meant something. America, and uh, there's a lot of stuff in it behind the moment. Was it morning in America yet? (laughs) It, it, uh, was America great again? (laughs) uh, uh, America was great again. Did Uncle Ronnie make America great again? (laughs) Uh, to to an entire generation, it felt that way. Uh, it was smoke and mirrors and and uh, yeah. a, a banging of patriotic Italy. drums. Yeah, fuck Reaganomics. But there was a feel that finally everything was behind us and the future was bright again. And we were kids. We were starting out and we were fresh and we were eager and we were hungry and we could take on the world, uh, i.e. Daniel LaRusso. They're emblematic of their times. Uh, respectively, and Rocky transitioned out of it uh, through the franchise uh, from the, uh, the 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 dirge of the '70s into what he became. And, and Daniel, uh, thankfully, uh, I have not watched Cobra Kai uh, yet, so my 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 Daniel uh, journey only includes the '80s. Hell yeah. Where, where he, he, he is emblematic and then he grows and then it becomes even more. Uh, there's a point where the 80s, that, that, that hope I talked about suddenly became uh, self-parody, uh, the fashion, everything. And that's Karate Kid 3. Okay. Both right. these protagonists are the protagonists oh, we deserve, but not the protagonists we need right now. <laughs> they are here for America. They are good for America. But uh, it, it it's tied up in, in 84 in film. Like you also have Rocky V. I mean, Rocky four that year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, Gremlins. That's like. Yeah, 84 is like the year of the 80s. It, in case and, anybody and, didn't realize that. Like. 82 maybe I was gonna say 82, 82 maybe right the there. maybe the best year for film in the 80s but it's not the 80s right 84 it's the holdover it's the hangover 70s hangover, hangover. for sure right uh, but 82 you got guys. blade runner and the thing like within a week of each other like what are i know we there's 89 about? too I'm, but I'm, yeah. that thank you i was about to say 89 guys is the year for movies in the 80s period Give, well, the, give me three. The, give me three right off the top of your head, though, real quick. Ghostbusters 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Batman, um, uh, Star Trek V, okay. Rocky okay. V. Okay. <laughs> wow. Rocky, Rocky V's 90. Oh, yes. Rocky V was 90. I'm sorry. You're right. Cardi Kid 3 is 89. Cardi Kid 3. I say anything 89 or is it 87? It's 89. 89. Bam! I am good. Pretty good year. year. Really good year. Yeah, those are those are the three that are the debatable years of which one is the best year of the '80s and which year is the best '80s. For sure, '84 I put out is the best '80s. Oh yeah, I feel like that's us at a at like if you just want to know what America was like in the '80s, you just look at anything from '84 and it's like, oh, I got it. Okay, I don't need to see anymore. But uh, yeah, if you want to talk movies in the '80s. I think the stuff from 82 stands the test of time, in my opinion, just how much I love the thing Blade Runner and all of like that e. late seven, e. the holdover like you're talking about. And then I think 89 is like, you know, hey, this was kind of fun. What's going to happen next? And then we get 
what 90 what we say like 93 94 the best two years in the 90s aside from 99 i mean yeah 99 is unequivocally the best year yeah anyways i I, i'm going to as we transition (laughs) i'm going to from comparison contrasting i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in a camp crystal lake revisited uh tie-in please do in that in the campfire scene on the on the beach the bonfire one of the guys in the background who was friends with the guy that daniel came with is cord from friday the 13th part six all right this was the guy he was part of freddy's crew yep in karate kid okay yep. Yeah, his buddy who immediately bails because he gets his ass kicked and you never see the kid again. Yeah. Like they totally could have had a subplot where it's like he redeems his friendship with that kid, but also fuck that kid. He bailed on him like for no reason. I mean, because there's really no need for Polly in this movie. There's no need for Polly in the fucking franchise. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> guys, 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 guys. There's no meat punching without Polly. Okay. Let's not forget that's where Paul uh-huh. works. He can't be in there punching me unless there's unless there's no there's no uncomfortable Cassavetes esque uh, family yes. drama uh, <laughs> without Paulie in the equation. And here's what I want to talk about before we because I do I want to get into again Mick and Miyagi uh, the antagonist as well. Even though again Apollo doesn't quite qualify, we'll talk about that as well. The thing with Rocky that really hit me going back through it. As much as it is a character study about him, the underdog concept you could apply to every single member of that screenplay. Um, Absolutely. Everybody's kind of like struggling with those feelings of being past their prime or they waited too mm-hmm. long or they missed their shot. And his his shot at the title, um, as unrealistic a goal as it may be, inspires all of these other people um adrian who's like just started to come out of her shell and like is more and more impressed yeah we've got to we got to talk about the the talia shire of it all the treatment of that character at least in this movie uh we got to talk about it a little bit but um especially considering none of it is in the other movies like right, everything exactly. just moves forward yes. in a logical way as if that relationship were real and honest and not rapey and disturbing yes uh, paulie feeling like he's been cheated out of life and his opportunity mm-hmm. um constantly trying to get rocky can you talk to him by the way i love the detail of like that's like the nicest low-level mob boss ever uh Oh yeah, Gaz is great. He's su- he's such a sweetheart. You expect him to like turn on Rocky at some point, or there to be a moment of like, no, but I need you to go do this, like the night before the big fight, or that element to come in. But it's like, no, I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to give you a pep talk. I'm going to be very supportive the whole time. I'm going to be rooting for you. It's great. Like Here's I some can cash. Just... Take your girl out. Exactly. <laughs> Show her a good time. Yes. Yeah. And then because, because of great. the performance, I consistently forget that he's. Joe Spinelli, he's he's maniac. He's maniac. Yeah. He's in cruising yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, he he pops up all over late se- mid to late 70s. So yeah. I love him. Love him. Uh okay. But the biggest, the biggest underdog, which I, I forgot about the whole angle of Mick and his arc of like, I was you at a certain point, and now I I see myself in you. 
And even though I wrote you off for all the years you've been coming to my gym and I looked down at a great moment where he tells him, you know, because you could have been a real fighter and instead you decided to become a bum and, you know, working for Gaza, all of that stuff. Uh, And that really hits home when he finally reels that to him. And then the scene where he comes in and he's like, you know, I want to give you all this knowledge. I, I, I'm your guy essentially. And Rocky has to sit there and tell him like, you, you only want me now because I have this shot like that. That's it. And then that's when you get the, the humanity of the Mick character, which again, in my memory was so cartoonish of just like, he's the corner man and he's really tough. And, you know, and, ah, and you're that was influenced that. by yeah. Rocky three, a hundred percent. Yes. It's my TV memories of Rocky three. Absolutely. Or the dream sequence in Rocky five, you know, I love you, Rock. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that's not that's not Mickey. Um, or the brisk uh, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I forgot about the brisk baby. Um, but yes, that that thread. So of course, I watch, I rewatch Karate Kid after this, and I'm like, are are the sentiments echoed or the themes echoed in any of these other characters? Is it more of an ensemble concept than I maybe initially realized? And it's not at all you can maybe draw the parallel of like he and Miyagi are both outsiders from a certain perspective, um, trying to adapt or I don't know, I wouldn't even call it assimilation, but into this new, like find their place essentially. But but I don't even feel like that's that's what I'm saying. You can't, I don't even really think that that, that works. So I think it is much more of a solo journey and, as opposed to, as Gavin was talking about earlier, the love story aspect of Rocky, where it's like Adrian is very, you know, it's a parallel journey of like that relationship, inspiring his goals, his goals, informing the relationship, et cetera. And it all crescendos all at once together and it fits and it works. Um, We have the whole relationship of Daniel and Allie building up throughout the movie, but it doesn't feel like the finale hinges on whether they're going to work out as an item or not. It is way more the relationship between him and Miyagi, but also the kind of like self-reliance and like you know believing in yourself that you can do this it's very solo oriented very very individualistic where i think in my memory i was like oh well rocky would be more that tone but it's not i i get the feeling when i get to that end fight in rocky that he's not just fighting for himself and all the the stakes that that has for him but he's also fighting for adrian and for paulie and for mickey all all at once yeah Dare you say all of Philadelphia? You you may dare yes. to say it, and Absolutely. I may dare to agree Even, with you. <laughs> he's, he's fighting for little Marie, who. Uh, oh my God. Oh my, that scene. That is a scene so I completely crazy. forgot about. That so whole walk wild. and talk. They're going to call you a whore. I can't, I can't do a good Stallone. I don't know what that was. That was just a random New Yorker voice. I mean, Rocky. Yo really yo only... people have yo yo friends. <laughs> Stop <laughs> hanging out with yo yo people. Rocky only really fights for himself in Rocky Balboa. Every other yes. time he's fighting he's for, fighting for else. everyone. He's fighting for different things, he's fighting for America. He's fighting for Apollo. He's, he's fighting for Mick. Uh, he's, he's fighting for, uh, you know, his little baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He always has something that he personifies his fight into, except in Rocky Balboa where, where he's fighting for the first and only time for himself. Uh, but I, I would say that in the way, in the same way that Rocky is a love story, which is a it, it, as creepy as the love story angle of it can be at times, 
um, with the way it is written from a very male-centric 70s perspective. Yes. Um, if you want to see the narrative of Rocky without cringeworthy elements, watch Creed. Same movie. <laughs> right. Um, Karate Kid is a story about a father and a son. Because mm-hmm. that's really what Miyagi is, is experiencing with Daniel, is the chance to do for Daniel what his father did for him that he never got to do to it for his unborn son. Right. His unborn child, who we don't know if it was a son or not. I think right. I think they said it's his son. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his daughter, because he says yeah. Miyagi daughter and all that. Like they got killed while he was away, when he's drunk and like. No, no, it's a, it's his right. son. It's his son. son. Oh, I thought um, it was his daughter. No. Oh no, that's right. Because he never had. That's right. I'm I'm confusing that with him talking to what's her face in, in four. My bad. Yeah. But. Uh, and that that scene right there is just as important as Mickey coming to Rocky's door, right? right. Those are the two. Mm-hmm. I would put those scenes hand in hand, and I would say if you had to pick the stronger performance there, it's no question Pat Morita. Pat Morita, I think, is the best performance in this movie. And I would say a bit yeah. of, and I would say part two as well, actually, but is the best performance in either of these franchises across yes. maybe all yes. of them, it, particularly in this one, a hundred percent deserved the Oscar nomination in my opinion should have won, but absolutely incredible. And going back to it, he manages to have all of these beautiful shades of depth of like, he's humorous in it. His comedic timing is brilliant. He also yes. has such soul to the way he plays everything. And then you get a genuine chemistry between him and Ralph Macchio as performers, where you like yeah. that mentor aspect feels like it goes beyond them in this movie. It feels like here's a, a guy who has seen a lot of shit at this point in his life. Um and as we know, for I don't know if you guys have watched the uh, More Than Miyagi documentary, but dealing with like all sorts of personal issues and yeah, alcoholism, alcoholism, et etc., all through the that period of time as well. But harnessing it into again, I just I I cannot help but get emotional anytime I watch those kind of key scenes in this one centered around their relationship, and anytime they go to yeah. that well in Cobra Kai the series where they so much as just invoke Miyagi's name, it is like instant tears and i don't know i don't know what that is other than i just have such warmth and affection towards that performance i don't know if it was the time i saw it when i was a kid or what connected me to it beyond just like they have such a beautiful bond between each other um and i i think that really starts to hit the the payoff of the training sequences the the stealth training sequences of i've had you you know, sand the floor, wax on, wax off. I've had you paint the fence, all of that. And the ultimate bringing it all together is one of the most satisfying. I got chills watching it this most recent time. Like literally got choked up watching. He was teaching you the whole right. time, dude. It's, be- it's beautiful stuff. With, uh, with since, since you brought up the drunk scene, the, the scene. Yes. yes. Uh, that uh, right. in my cursory uh, research into both of these movies, uh, that scene and then one that I'm going to talk to about in Rocky uh, shows that Avildsen understands movies 
better than the editors of the movies and better than the writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the studio was like, we need to get rid of this scene on the oh Miyagi. And he was like, no, yeah. that, that that's the movie. With Without this scene, the movie makes no sense. Right. <laughs> what a horrible this- idea. Nobody should ever be paid to be an executive or a producer. That would yeah, say something. I know. And, and and he's like, and he was vindicated because he's like, no, that's the movie. That's that's the emotional crux. That's that's the father son. That's that's the fucking movie. And that's he was the right. Academy Award nomination moment. <laughs> right. And 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 he was right. Uh, and then when they were when they were going over the end of Rocky, uh, about the end of the fight, Stallone's like. He's got to lose, like decisively lose. Like this is a loser. He had his shot and he lost. And Allison's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand your own movie. (laughs) And they went back and forth. He's like, no, it's going to be a split decision. Like he lost, but there's the hopeful chance that he could have won. He was so close. He clawed his way out of the streets and he's so close. No, he needs to lose decisively. He's a loser. Without Allison making that decision, that the key in for the franchise isn't there. Yeah, I if the if if the same movie ends with him like defeated in the third round, just beaten to shit, and like Adrian walks out, or she doesn't even show up because she like you know she wasn't supposed to show up either. Like, it's they, it yeah. is pretty like last minute. It feels that way in the movie as well. Well, it's like they 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 forgot. They were like, oh crap, we built up this whole relationship and we don't have it to pay off. We gotta we gotta come back on a reshoot and have it to pay off. Right. Yep. I can see where Stallone's coming from as a writer, though. Right. Like as somebody who has written a lot of things and been very precious about the things I have created, uh, I understand the concept of what he's going for with Rocky has to lose, right? Because he makes the whole arc of Rocky about coming to the fact, coming to grips with the fact that he is a loser, and that for him a win is going the distance. Rocky needs to, in Stallone's mind, get that exact ending. He needs to lose because it doesn't matter to Rocky whether he wins or loses. Stallone forgot there's this thing called a fucking audience that's here right. to watch the movie, it- and they need to be satisfied with the ending. To be fair, if he had ended it that way, though, very in keeping with the tone of the 70s. And, and, sure, and, sure. I, and I will say right here, maybe he pulls the Oscar win. Yeah, for maybe. going dark with it. If it ends on this sure. like brutal, upsetting but, note of like, oh, the tragedy yeah. of this guy who didn't quite make it, as opposed to this triumphant one where it's like, well, the victory for you guys is best picture. And, you know, hey, you wrote this thing. Congratulations. You know, right. And I got to say, there's something to be said for people pulling Stallone's endings out of the fire and going, uh, let's do something less depressing and give you a franchise. Right. Because right? that's that's the <laughs> ending of Rocky. It's the ending of Rambo. First blood. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, 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 no. Let's let's scale it back from your weird darkness and you make another one. Right. Um, yeah. I, I will say, uh, and, you know, we can excuse me well we've kind of done mick versus miyagi broadly right yeah well i don't think there's much comparison there right no i think they're totally they're two different characters um you could really compare miyagi in his role in the entire karate kid franchise with mickey 
in the sequels where Mickey does become a real mentor to Rocky, mm-hmm. where Mickey does become that fatherly character who does look out for Rocky, but he's not that in Rocky. Right. In Rocky, he's just, he's on the train, right? He's just there to lift himself out of the muck too. So there's no direct comparison. Uh, and the only thing that I think really warrants a comparison between the two is the strength of those two performances from these two veteran actors. Right. And they both fucking bring it. But I think Marita delivers something that elevates Karate Kid, whereas Burgess Meredith rises to the level of Rocky. Yeah, that's, Absolutely. that's fair. I can agree with that. Let's talk, uh, let's talk love interests. And we can go Allie first, or we can talk about Adrian, wherever you want to go. But, uh, you know, what do we think of the performances? What do we think of the love stories themselves, the chemistry, uh, the, the awkward moments? I, I want to go, go ahead and say, I think rewatching this, Machio and Elizabeth Shue have some incredible chemistry. Absolutely. Uh, that plays Absolutely. from like scene one. And all of their all, all of their interactions are, are pretty note perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. I think honestly, looking back at the sort of early phase of Elizabeth Shue's career, right? I'm, I'm not going too deep. Not going much beyond say 89, 90. Mm-hmm. I think she has more chemistry with Machio than with any other actor she's mm-hmm. paired with. Yeah. Certainly more than she has with, say, Michael J. Fox uh, when she's Jennifer number two. Um, right. Or she doesn't have a lot of time to, guys. to establish herself. Yeah. And I didn't even know it was her when I was a child. I, I didn't I didn't make the connection right. that it was a different actress because I was an idiot. Yeah. But and all the guys, the guys who are kind of in her orbit in Adventures in Babysitting. Mm-hmm. None of them have the chemistry with her that she has with, with Machio. But I will say that the chemistry is a little bit one-sided. It's, it's, it's definitely more Elizabeth Shue than it is Ralph Machio. Right. I, f- fair enough. I think he, his, oh, his he's, East he's Coast... He's stuff out there. Yeah, sure. his East Coast Jersey energy, it, it works. It, he works his charm yeah. on her. I think it plays. Now... Yeah. I love that in, I don't love it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, honestly, that in Rocky, I mean, we're introduced to the idea that like he comes by this pet shop, like pretty regularly and yeah, he, he, he's potentially been wearing her down for, we don't know how long months, years. We don't know how long long time he and Paulie have been buds. We don't know how long he's, you know, been holding this candle for, for right. the, you know, the girl at the pet store where I get my turtle food, where I steal my turtle food. Cause I can't afford to pay for turtle food. Right. Yes. For cuff and link. The only and link. characters pretty, who make pretty it great all joke. the way to Creed two still makes me chuckle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love Talia Shire's performance throughout the franchise. She's great. Right? And I, yes. I will give her mad props for playing the, the wallflower comes out of her shell arc for, for Adrian in this film. Mm-hmm. But that 
scene where she finally succumbs to Rocky's charms. Why, why don't you just... come over here and sit on the couch? It's nice. It's nice. It's yeah. a nice couch. A nice couch. <laughs> Ignore the fact that I have a fucking machete hanging in this uh, this door frame that I use as a coat hook. <laughs> right. Um, that's unsure. what makes people comfortable in the company. Of <laughs> Uh, well, see, my my thing is, I, I'm wondering how that, in, in some research, I'm wondering how that scene would have played if it was shot as written, because I don't know how it right. was written, because her whole avoidance and everything, she she was sick with the flu and had a hundred and one yeah. degree fever, mm-hmm. and didn't want to kiss Stallone to get him sick to put the production behind schedule. Yeah. So the whole yeah. of her pushing away and avoidance. Sure. They, sure, they, sure. they came sure. up. With, I will grant that. They came up with day of, and throughout what was written. So it, I don't. I don't re- know what. Yeah. It reads know. as very like forties, fifties. Like this is this is how men and women get things done. Is well, sometimes you does. just gotta push things. But again, having that context, I'm like, okay, I understand it, and it's still. I I think here's the thing though. At the end of the day, in spite of all of that, the charm of those two characters and finally sure. wanting to see them get together somehow makes you okay with it. Even as problematic as it is, admittedly rewatching it, it's like, yeah. but somehow this works. And even in a modern context, I don't feel gross about it because at some point there is a moment where it feels like Talia Shire or Adrian in, in character makes the decision that she's into this as well. But every moment up until that feels like, oh my God, what the hell are you doing, Rocky? Why is the hero in this movie? And again, I think that's because of the franchise mindset, knowing what it went on to become. But like, it would not be out of character to see a scene like this where that is playing with the uncomfortability if we were watching like, a Cassavetes movie or a Scorsese movie from the same era. Like that would not be out of the question. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, I gotta the say, only... I did, I feel, I still cringe. I still feel uncomfortable with that scene. Yeah. Um, I, I always felt a little uncomfortable with it, but I feel a lot more now. For um, sure. It has not aged well. New. And I gotta say, introducing my wife to this franchise mm-hmm. uh, with Rocky was an uncomfortable experience. Right. Right? Because, ooh, 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 that's bad. And also, um, it totally I, doesn't I, fit with the rest of the franchise portrayal of their relationship. And it doesn't fit with the rest of the film, honestly. If you were to excise that scene, right, mm-hmm. and end it with the ice hockey scene and pick up with uh, the the following date where she then decides after the, the Thanksgiving meal gets tossed out the window to move in with Rocky, I think you'd still buy it without having that scene. I think everything, and this is one of those things where Stallone should have trusted himself and his story, not been as precious about what he wrote. 90% of the heavy lifting of their relationship forming is done in the ice rink scene. Mm -hmm. Which was also an adjust because they didn't have the money for the, uh, it was supposed to go on longer and be a full scene with, with like 50 extras skating and they're moving around and in them, which such a, such a great happy accident though. Like you're talking about though, that it's just like, Oh, we're closed. 
hey, you know, can I give you a few bucks? That yeah, you stay open for me. It's more it's more romantic that it's after hours and everything. It it works. It plays. Also, I love that he lies and says that she's sickly. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. Last fact, Rocky. Good, good stuff. Um, but definitely, Allie is a stronger character with more agency, uh, who exists with her own inner life in the film, has her own friends, is not dependent upon either Daniel or Johnny mm-hmm. for her own character arc. And ultimately, yeah, so she's not in the second movie. Whatever. It was, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's a okay. high school relationship. Again, it feel it feels weird to do the the villain comparison because in rewatching this, Johnny and, and yeah, well, I was gonna say even in Karate Kid, and part of this is context with Cobra Kai, of course, that I'm trying to erase from my brain. But even rewatching it this time, there is the idea that like Johnny's not all bad he's not this cartoon he's not this cartoon villain that is irredeemable Mm -hmm. and they just set up to be a straight-up prick if you will there because of the because of the element of crease okay yes yeah and i'll give you that and if you were if you remove that element and that that dynamic between crease and miyagi and like the whole the warring views on like what karate is for what its purpose is um, good karate versus bad karate. If you remove all of that from it, then I think it is more boilerplate, like eighties teen movie. He's got to take down the jock here, but because it's like, you do finally end with that moment of like, he earns his respect. The, the you're all right. LaRusso yeah. uh, actually yeah. plays. It is very different and almost gets back to more of a uh, Rocky Apollo tone, which again, in my memory, oh, Apollo Creed's the villain in the first one, and then they fight again. But it's like he's not—he's not a villain at all. He's just yeah. as you, one of you said earlier. He is a plot device. He is the catalyst. There is no real arc or like setup or momentum to the movie until he enters. And I completely forgot that it's like, oh yeah, they just—they need a guy because the latest guy is out and. Oh, we're going to spin it and we're going to make it this big epic bicentennial thing. And we're going to do it in Philadelphia. So that, you know, it just all happens to line up that this turns into a shot. Um, and I love all the behind the scenes machinations of, of Creed, not training. We never see him actually training always in nice suits and just dealing with the, the show of it all. Um, and I think the first time yeah. we see him on TV, he's literally advocating for like, nobody should ever become a boxer. Everybody should become a businessman or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Another detail that I had forgot and also had forgotten that like Rocky really respects him when he first sees him on the TV and the bartender is talking shit. Rocky's like, how dare you essentially? And like kind of storms out of there. What's the matter with you? Exactly. What did you ever do? What did you ever do? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. so yeah, yeah, I don't really see the point in comparing the two of them, but obviously Gavin and I have a different history with Johnny as a character now because of the, right. the inverted inverted narrative of Cobra Kai, the series. Uh, but in this, I do 
again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, though, with Daniel and the kind of self-reliance. It's more about him believing in himself at the end of the day. It's not it's not even like Johnny is the obstacle. It's just like he's got to he's got to prove himself to all of these guys in front of the girl and his mom at the same time, who, by the way, I thought they said that no family members were allowed on the mat. But there's definitely a shot of the mom like just randomly there in the midst of one of the fights. Anyways. Uh, you were going to jump Speaking in. Speaking of sorry. the mom, yes. what is the stealth story of what happened with her fucking life? Her right, career? So, <laughs> so yes. she's moving to California to work in computers. Right. And then the very next scene we see her, she is now being trained as a manager in a restaurant. Yes. Because it's, it's more than she could ever make in computers. I got, I got yes. this. I got this. I did some research. Please uh, yes, a, enlighten a, us. A cut scene is when she shows up for work, the computer place that she had moved across country for shut down. <laughs> and then she goes to the Chinese place as she is walking in. Uh, there is a scene of somebody <laughs> quitting being fired, going out the door as she's coming in. <laughs> okay. And this got cut. Okay. Um, pretty solid cut, I'm going to say. That's um, the story. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's you don't really notice until repeat viewing. Yeah. So it, sure. it's fine. It's not necessary for the narrative. But watching it again years later as an adult, I'm like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> what? Also, I, you know, the visual language of, of movies and storytelling, the opening credits start and they're in Jersey. And we see them drive for a portion of the credits, implying that they don't stop for the first time at a motel until they are in the Midwest, implying that they drove from (laughs) New Jersey to like, I don't know, fucking like Montana in the span of a day. Um, Anyways, That, that still somewhat baffles me. That whole opening sequence. Yeah. You don't need it at all. That movie. Right. In California. You could start it with the scene of them pulling up. You don't even see them on camera in a close-up until they get because it's not even them. It's doubles. Exactly. And it's all ADR. Like what? Yeah, what do we care? But if you don't explain that they're coming from New Jersey, people are gonna wonder why the hell this kid has an accent on the West Coast. And when people make fun of his accent or they talk about him, like, wait a minute, there's palm trees, they're on the West Coast. Why they could have given like that. They could have given him but, shit for it, and he says it in the opening sequence where he meets yes. Freddie. He says he's like, yeah. "I'm from Jersey." I mean, yeah, right. they could. They my mom got a job at some up coming computer place. Listen, <laughs> if, if you don't show audiences in '84 what the deal is, they're not going to understand. All they know is we hate the Russians and we love ourselves. <laughs> so you got to explain it. You got to yeah. give them to them enough to where they they know they know what they're talking about. They can, I know, they can get but, it. But I, I, I had Adamson same... puts that opening in because he wanted to get some helicopter shots to have <laughs> some sort of something that opens this movie up a little bit and makes it feel like a vista. Right. Because aside from the beach scene, everything is locked down and it looks like it's in front of an industrial space. Because uh-huh. it is. Um, <laughs> I think that's all that sequence is for is like, look, See, it's it's a it's a whole world. It's not just a backlog, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, you you could definitely trim it. Other than that, though, I I was watching it this time because I'm like, all right, they're almost the exact same length. 
where's the mm-hmm. fat? Like, do is there anything I would trim? And yeah. really, in Karate Kid, it's just that opening sequence. In Rocky, I mean, you, oh yeah, so you, much. You could trim some stuff if you wanted to, but I think a lot of it lends to you getting like the the eventual build to that last fifteen minutes. Um, yeah, and the kind of jarring turn of like all of a sudden it feels like a big budget action sports movie um, where it has felt yeah. very grounded and, you know, yeah. Uh, low budget uh, under a million, that I right? Would cut uh, out right of Rocky. About around a million. Yeah. Right, right around a million. The only stuff that I'd cut is the stuff that Stallone capitalized on for sequels. Right. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'd cut Frank uh, Stallone and the, uh, the boys on the corner singing. Cause that's useless. Oh wait, they come back. Right. I cut little Marie. Oh wait, she's the the whole impetus of Rocky Balboa. Balboa, Can't cut right? Her. You know, so yeah, dude. <laughs> and what do you I, lose? I think we're all itching to get to the franchises, but respect for bringing sure. back Marie and Rocky Balboa. Yes. Um, how, how do they? How do they bring her back? I've never seen Rocky people. Balboa. Dude, you're what? missing out. You are truly missing out. Okay, guys. I'm going to go grab another beer. If you want to go around the horn, if you feel like we've missed anything, big points that you want to talk about, but we will, we'll start transitioning into franchise. Talk amongst yourselves. I will be right back. Um, I will say that one of the things in, uh, in the drunk scene uh, that young me did not know and did not notice because they handled it so subtly was Everything you need to know about Miyagi and his his reluctance to fight is stated right there. Right. right? Uh, the way that you know they don't come right out and say, "Yes, the last time this man had a cause, he was willing to fight for his own country, betrayed him, put his wife in, a, in an internment camp, and she died." It puts all those dots on the table so that if you know what happened you can connect them but mm-hmm. it doesn't actively spell it out for you so and when, and when you say because yeah. people who listen to this may not know if, if they even hear this when you say his own country not japan the united yeah. states put his japanese wife in an internment camp which is exactly. something that i feel like more and more as we get keep going getting up there in years i hear more and more about that all the time i can't remember i list just listened like two or three things about just discussing that in general and it's like yeah we really ought to like remember that we did this and you're right that that's in that entire sequence and you know unless you're well adversed at that time you don't get it but yet if you know what's going on again it's why he gets the nomination for you know best actor Absolutely, absolutely, because that performance is fucking masterful. Oh yeah, right? and he connects all those dots for you, even if you're unable to do so. Right. And, and the studio didn't want him to start. Yeah. They, they were Dumb like, "Shit!" They're like, "Have you guys seen Happy Days?" Yeah, Arnold from Happy Days. Really? You like, guys want the, him? This, this guy, this guy's a this guy's a comic. Right. Uh, and if and if we want to lean into it and we want to make Miyagi comic, yeah, let's go for that. But if you want to want somebody serious, we got to stay far away from him. And Allison's like, no, no, he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think I think moving out of that and into the franchises is is an interesting conversation because it does 
shift the narrative for one of the franchises. Um, Rocky is, I think there's more internal consistency in the Karate Kid franchise than there is in the Rocky franchise. So much so that I will define Rocky as basically two separate franchises kludged together. Three if you, you kludge on Creed's. Now, I'd say that the Creed movies kind of dovetail into the two franchises perfectly. You have the sort of dramatic franchise, which is Rocky, Rocky Balboa, Creed, right? And you have the action movie franchise, which is Rocky II, which you can arguably put on the other one. Uh, Rocky, Rocky II is the Rocky only one IV. that branches. Yeah. Uh, Rocky V and then Creed II. Like Creed II doesn't even go with Creed I. Um, but you could easily just sit down and watch Rocky, Rocky Balboa, and Creed, and you have a complete story that tells you everything you need to know about these two characters uh, and doesn't need the others for information. You can do the same thing with two, three, four, five. Uh, Creed two, you need a little bit more uh, because it does connect back to four and you kind of need to you know, experience it. But tonally, it's two different franchises. Uh, Karate Kid's not quite like that. I mean, it's it fits together better. And I'm I'm a big Rocky two three four V uh, franchise guy, and Matthew's more Rocky Balboa Creed guy. Because Rocky Balboa is really the best of the franchise, and I'm I, I'm I'm shocked to hear that Gavin hasn't seen it. You haven't seen Rocky Balboa? No. Nope. Wow. I. I thought you were kidding a second ago when you said that. No, I mean, did, no. Did um, we see it twice in the theater? Yeah. I knew that uh, Peter Petrilli from Heroes plays his kid. That's about it. And that's perfect. The casting is absolutely perfect. Oh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, of course. E- even better than casting his own son to play <laughs> right. the same character in Rocky V. Mm-hmm. I remember that yeah. part. But absolutely, I think how, you should. How, co- I how think come you nobody should gives that kid a hard time? How come he doesn't get the Sofia Coppola Godfather Part Three treatment? Because uh, he's, he's no longer with us. He's dead. No. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> that's that's guys. Yeah. No legit. Um, yep. When did that happen? Oh my and god! I no seriously. <laughs> really? I had yeah. no awareness that that. Like uh, there, there was a there was a long uh, struggle with substance abuse, and okay. then yeah. That so that's the answer to my very unfortunate question. That's why he doesn't get the Sofia Coppola treatment because he's dead, Noah. You insensitive prick. All right, my hey, bad. Hey, <laughs> you're not insensitive. You were just unknowledgeable. You just you're know. just ill-informed. Yes. That's all. Very very ill-informed. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, what Stallone? This is even worse. What was his name? I think Noah. It? I think you just need to go back to Home Alone too. I'm sorry for my my outburst. It was immature and ill-timed. <laughs> I think his name was Sage. Um, why am I blanking yeah, on his Sage Stone? Sage Stone. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I will investigate. I got Listen, it, guys. But yeah, that was that's did, that's it, the story behind it. Well, that's God. this gets really dark. But I was pitching around this idea the other day of like Sage, yes, doing a podcast about like the child stars that we love that didn't make it from child stardom. That's really morbid, but like, I'm thinking like Jonathan Brandis, Brad Renfro, like just the weird obscure ones out there. Matt, I literally saw you 
cringing as he was describing it. I kind of feel the same. I mean, yeah, dude, there'd just be such a bummer, though. What are we? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole genre about that. It was the E True Hollywood story. Yeah, but I'm thinking just like yeah, we, but you know, yeah. for people like Noah who don't know when people die, we could be the ones to let them know. Yeah, you know. Like, what's Jonathan Brandis been doing? For, Nothing, for ill-informed douchebags such as myself. Yes. <laughs> Again, not douchebag, just ill-informed. <laughs> that could be our tagline. And then we'd be like, oh, hey, for did you know? For ill-informed douchebags like you. <laughs> oh, dude, no way. The, uh, the Young Hollywood Celebrity Death Report. Yes. Okay. Um Again, apologies Phoenix to, is still dead, to the guy. entire Stallone family and the Phoenix family, for that matter, to all of them. Seriously, sincere apologies. Um, so we get moved, up here, get I, up somewhere. Excuse me. During my 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 break, we've have we fully transitioned into into franchise territory. I I said the last thing I wanted to kind of say about Karate Kid One. I I mentioned the the Japanese internment camp being subtly weaved into the the drunk scene in a way that's really powerful if you're not expecting it or you know forgot it was there because it's so subtly done. Uh-huh. But unless somebody else has any other last thoughts, I I, I had see my my, my only last thought on the first movies of both of these franchises is I don't know how many more viewings of each I have in me. Uh huh. I watched Karate Kid a lot as a kid. Uh, rented it a lot. It was one of those uh, dad rolling his eyeballs like, "Why are we running this shit again?" Yeah. And mom going, "It makes the kid happy." Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But uh, Rocky, Rocky does not make me feel good anymore. Uh, Very different experience as a thirty-year-old. I can now say that myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Being being different past movie. it, and in in my mid forties, it's it's not. It 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 was a. It, I endured Rocky. It's a like it was hard for me to get through. And I'm like, where's? Come on, give give me some classic movie structure here. Give me give me a classic story. I, I, I'm tired of this '70s Maverick character crap. Right. And and that's right well, in my wheelhouse. Why... And I and I know you and I have very <laughs> yeah. different. No, knowledge, no, 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 no one knows. lives in that wheelhouse. No, no one lives see, in the '70s bleak, cynical of it you all. See, like, here, that's here, no here's the thing. I used to. I'll, pro- I'll probably outgrow it. Yeah. Talk to me in like 10 years and we'll see if I still feel the same way. I don't know. And I don't know how many more karate kid ones I have in me because uh, it's, it's, it's nostalgia candy sweet, if you will. It's, but, it's so God, I 80- love the way it tastes, man. I don't know what, what to I don't, say. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the way it tastes, but you know, I got to protect my teeth now. I can't right. I, I can't keep going back to it because if I go back to it, I'm not gonna like it anymore. Well, well I, think, I, would I think you're ahead, I go. think your exposure to it all depends upon like certain it's the thing that I don't like to talk about. I've talked about with Noah a few times when we've talked about certain movies and when they come out and what they do, you have to look at what's going on in the world essentially. Like I've mentioned how certain things coming out around 9-11 might be a certain deal, if they're responsible to that, but like Noah and I, and I don't know where Noah remembers watching the Karate Kid first. I don't remember if it was pre-94 in North Carolina at our grandparents' house there, but like I don't remember the Karate Kid being a thing when we were in Japan. I remember discovering it before we went to Japan, going to Japan and not having the association of like Miyagi, Karate Kid, all Uh this while we were there. 
And then once we came back, it was like, oh, like, here's this thing again, to the point that, like, while we were there, if you want to get into franchise stuff, the last Karate Kid movie came out and we saw it and we went to the theater and I had always heard mom say, like, Rocky, Karate Kid, people got up at the end and cheered. And I'm thinking, like, maybe they're going to do this. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. the most we got was a guy being like, hell yeah, Miyagi, kick his ass. And that was it. <laughs> right. That, that was all we got. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of bummed at that because having been told that like, oh, when this actually came out back in the day, when you went to the theater and saw it, this is what happened to it. And like, I love that mom is there to tell me these things, but I'm also like, I don't want to know that because then I'm on this, I'm on this kick of like, well, the movie's got to get me there. And if I don't feel like, you know, yes at the end of it then maybe it's a letdown but Mm -hmm. you know i think that may play into one when you see it but also like in context what's around you when you do because like i knew we were going to japan leading up to this but like when the second karate kid movie is out and i can watch it and i discover it i have no concept of like oh they go to they get in the plane and go somewhere i'm just watching it as like they're there they're here. It's not like I'm not in the story. I'm looking for the fight part of it. And I know, okay, they, they right. leave from where they are. They go somewhere else. They fight and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if where the, the whole Japan thing with me and Noah, if that colors anything around the franchise and that, because there's certainly other like nineties karate films that we love. I would say as much, if not more than this, I'm thinking like your sidekicks and your surf ninjas. Noah and I are like, we're there for those, but again, those are one-offs. Those aren't franchises. Right. And I don't, maybe that's the, the key here is that like the karate kid is a thing to watch three different stories about. And now we have this TV show that we can have that loving memory move on in. And so that's why we're attached to it is like, there's still an element to it. That's around. And I think maybe that's maybe why, you know, Patrick said you were into more Rocky, Rocky Balboa Creed, Matthew. So, that kind of lends itself to like, eh, I don't know what's going on with a third Creed movie, but having those three recent, I know Rocky Balboa is not that recent, but having Creed be more recent and still incorporate, you know, parts of the Rocky franchise, which I, yeah. whether they did or not, I was like, oh, whether Stallone's in this Creed movie or not, I want to see it just because of like, oh yeah, it's, it's Apollo Creed's kid, but why not? Let's see what happens. So bringing him into that, I'm like, hell yeah, let's just keep it rolling. But, you know, that's what I was going to say on the note of Patrick, your your relative fandom towards Karate Kid and the the amount of nostalgia you feel like you have left towards it. I think Cobra Kai as a series manages to let you live in that nostalgia, but for it to still feel fresh to you to kind of like remind you what you love about the franchise in the first place in really interesting ways. So I, I do highly recommend it to both of you, um, regardless of like your current feelings on the, the franchise as a whole, uh, but at least give it the first season and see the tone they're playing with, because it, it sounds like a disservice to say, oh, it's essentially like a, a fan series, um, but it truly is. It, it is created by fans who take it super seriously, but also know how to have fun with it. And in that way, it feels like, oh, if Gavin and I got the reins and were able to do it like this, oh, my God, we would love to do anything that was like a tenth as good as this is. 
um because they're just nailing it and they're not doing there has not been like a false move in three seasons thus far it's kind of astounding um and to that note in the same way creed now is kind of that thing that feels fresh and new but is very informed by the franchise that came before it and has a lineage and a history to it but is forging its own path which is maybe a little bit of why creed 2 for instance i was like did i want you to go back to drago that quick that feels like a creed three or four move um yeah but at the same time for if you look at it from the perspective of adonis creed that's the thing he has to overcome, right? It is the physical embodiment of the thing that he he shadow boxes with throughout the first movie. Right. And if he's ever going to move forward, he has to confront that moment, whether by confronting Balboa with it or by confronting the man who killed his father. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that narratively in a Rocky movie is with a fight. And mm-hmm. they're never going to have Michael B. Jordan beating the crap out of uh, Sly Stallone. That'll just never happen. <laughs> that would be a dope allow third it. Though. It would be, be an I was going to say, movie. will the they ever have Rocky a... Balboa is Creed three, where he's just like, you know what? You took everything from my dad. Fuck you. And just, and that's it. Like that. More be... importantly though, would they ever have a Michael B. Jordan Rocky V esque street fight? where it's not in the ring mm. and it's unregulated mm. and yeah because there is part of you that's like why was he not duking it out with Dolph Lundgren in Creed 2 like that's he killed his father like seriously why did they not get into a, a true scrap at any point mm. why didn't they take it there because unlike Creed 2 where it's an illegal move that puts him down that whole first fight was legal like Apollo asked him to come over here and if he dies, he dies. I mean, that's just what happens, man. That's that's the right. real thing that he has to confront. The third movie is like, okay, I've I've gotten I've, I've, I've accepted who I am as my father's son. I've beaten whatever I need to get over about my dad dying. Now I, I am to really get out of Rocky Shadow. I gotta get out of Rocky <laughs> Shadow, and I got money. I got everything. Now I, am I gonna fall victim to what my dad did because? Yeah, okay, Rocky beat him, but he still had money and he had to get his I, you know. Well, all right, what are you what are you saying, though? What are you thinking? Adonis de- decides to fight Rocky. He accidentally kills him in the ring. And then Creed <laughs> 4 is Milo Ventimiglia training his ass off to bulk up and fight Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that would be interesting. Um, this is us versus parenthood. <laughs> yes, yes, one hundred percent. As oh, as much as Creed and Creed Two follow the Rocky Rocky Two formula, um, my fear is that Creed Three is going to be somebody else shows up and is the new Adonis Creed and steals his thunder, and he has to get the eye of the tiger to beat him. Okay. That's, that's what I will, That's the other thing that I I wanted to talk about. Rocky and, and Karate Conte, Kid. That amazing score. Oh, the the Eye of the Tiger versus You're the Best Around. Oh, 100. percent We got to do music drops. Well, no, because You're the Best Around was written for Rocky written Three. For Rocky Three. And lost out at the last minute to Eye of the Tiger, and then a year later they're like, Oh, we got this. Uh, hey, I got this movie that I'm. Directing. You know what? Hey, let's put it here. Sometimes things work out 
just right because that's perfect. If you flip the two somehow as well, but that doesn't also work. Doesn't that also work. explains why Survivor is on the Karate Kid soundtrack too. Mm-hmm. There's the, the first song of the you soundtrack. Got gang, you got song. Gang of Four. You've yeah. got uh, what Bananarama, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, what is it? Is it Joe Esposito or am I thinking Scarface? What am I? Yeah, that's Joe. Joe Bean Esposito yeah. is best yeah. around. Yeah. Okay. Well, what who's pushes to the limit? Paul. Um, Paul Eng- Engelman. 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 Paul Engelman. Engelman. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Engman. Yes. Engman. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. I know. Should. So the the interesting thing about how that came to be, um, because. Um, you're the best around is written by Bill Conti, yes. right? It was composed for Rocky three and Stallone hated it. Well, right? the man Literally, famously has zero taste. So, right. You know, so he went to do, he, he went to queen. He wanted to use another one bites the dust. Okay. And Freddie Mercury <laughs> said, no, and then he found Eye of the Tiger. The Eye of the Tiger dialogue is already in the movie. Freddie Mercury said, I only get out of bed for Christopher Lambert pictures. That's what he said. <laughs> Sorry. Freddie Sorry. Mercury said, um, no, n- no, thank you, darling. Uh, I won't, you won't be using my I only write music for Sean Connery, dear. <laughs> yes. And Flash Gordon. Yes. Flash Gordon. <laughs> I have uh, the most so, yeah. refined taste. Yes. So oh, he beautiful. actually beautiful. Says, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I've been drinking out of a mug all night. That is my Freddie Mercury mug. It's Freddie nice. Mercury, uh, the cat. Uh, so he, he finds a survivor song that has the same title as the dialogue that Creed has been spouting throughout Rocky Three. I will say though that Happy the sh- Accident, the show must go on, would be perfect in Rocky Three. Uh, oh hell yeah! As yeah. he's training. That would be a perfect one to use. Maybe if you just hit him with that instead of another one bites the dust. Okay. There like, is. Sure. It would be such a downer of a training sequence with that song, though. It's such a downbeat. There is a Rocky one uh, needle drop, a literal needle drop that I completely forgot about, which is fucking Summer Madness by Cool in the Gang. Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe yeah, the best the song day. across any of these movies. Oh, yeah. God, yes. I completely I forgot about that sequence. And our other, as you mentioned earlier, Matt, but moment of like, this is Rocky existing in his own, like, this is just a literal, like, this is what he does with this day when he comes home. He feeds the turtles. He works out a little bit. He listens to Cool in the Gang and he relaxes. And I'm like, I I like this. I can identify with this in the same way I can identify with Daniel LaRusso. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the reason it comes down to me at the end uh, that Rocky is my preferred of the two is that I connect to the Rocky films in an emotional way that I do not connect with the Karate Kid. And I think that's really all it comes down to. And I think that's what it comes down to for most people who pick one side or the other, right? Like I don't watch a Karate Kid movie and have an immediate visceral reaction, but there are scenes in the Rocky movies where I will just bawl. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have strong emotional reactions to Rocky Balboa, to Creed, uh, to Creed 2, even though, yeah, 
just just one line of dialogue in that movie would you know just when Stallone as Rocky's like that man broke parts of me ain't never been fixed uh-huh. just crocodile yeah. fucking tears right Karate Kid's never done that to me even an amazing performance like Pat Morita and Karate Kid one when he's drunk because I engaged with that at such a young age and it didn't really mean anything to me then. And I have the, the intellectual knowledge of it now, it doesn't connect with me the way some of the things in Rocky do. And I think part of that is that Rocky is always a, 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 an internal metaphor, right? Rocky is about, you can push yourself, you can overcome. Whereas, Karate Kid is more, if you follow these steps and you are part of a community, you can become better. Rocky is you can push yourself to make yourself better. So it's easier to internalize Rocky characters, I think, and Rocky narratives. Even though I will admit that the superior film, in most cases, is the Karate Kid film. Like Karate Kid 1 is a better movie than Rocky. It's better shot. It's better edited. Uh, he like also had out, almost a decade to against... improve as a director and learn. Exactly. Question: We didn't really exactly. get into this earlier. What was what was Avildsen's like biggest credit prior to Rocky? Like what you know, got I, him? Because you mentioned that like know. as the budget went down, he yeah. eventually was like the guy they ended up with. He was not the first choice to direct, but I'm like, what level was he career wise at the time? Not to stop uh, everything me, dead. Look but, him up. Yeah. Because I think largely we end up with him because of his relationship with Erwin Winkler, the producer. Um, so he had done something with that uh, with that group because Winkler I, working for MGM United Artists had kind of... Excuse, excuse me. And I remember being reminded of this when he passed a few years back and we did a little tribute thing. He directed Joe with Peter Boyle and Susan Sarandon in 1970, um, uh, which is one of the, you want to talk about a, a dark piece of, of bleak seventies entertainment, uh, go watch Joe. But yeah, so he, he has a few prior credits, but definitely nothing that was like, Oh, this is a guy we want anchoring like a huge yeah. thing, but we give him a million dollars in Sylvester Stallone and we'll see what happens. And yeah, of course, it turns into one of the most iconic movies of that era and probably of all time. We're still talking about it literally right now in 2021. And I think one of my one of my favorite uh, weird connections is uh, Lloyd Kaufman uh, mm-hmm. working, working on the film and then being the drunk that uh, Rocky picks up off the street and plants uh, in the bar mm-hmm. because. We haven't really, uh, Matthew and I haven't even really talked about it. Like, I love Lloyd Kaufman. Like, he's aware say, of yeah. this, but he's not aware of this. Like, I will watch The Toxic Avenger anytime I can find it. I was going to say, are you guys going to just turn it into a straight up trauma podcast? No, we can't over do on that. Late fees? I, I, don't no? Think we, I don't think we can do that because uh, I have no leverage on him to make him watch those movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I, I don't think we should, in good, in good faith, take a podcast that is built around the concept of video store late fees and talk about Lloyd Kaufman who hated video, video stores. stores. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like that would be in poor taste. Like I, I, got, um, I got him to watch Tromeo and Juliet once. 
Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah. the best thing about that movie is the 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 motorhead guy. Oh yeah. Correct. Correct. Um but yeah, yeah. I love I love so, Lloyd Kaufman working uh as uh he was a production assistant line, he was somewhere in the production team, and then since he's small, he's got picked up. He's the drunk. <laughs> he's the drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh and he hated every experience of working on that movie. Sounds in keeping with every interview I've ever seen with him. Yeah. Is there anything that Lloyd Lloyd Kaufman enjoys? Making his own movies. Yeah. Even then, he doesn't seem that thrilled with it. I he he I, I watched uh, I watched a uh, a documentary about him one night at like four in the morning. Because if you search through Amazon, you will find something. Oh, I don't it's doubt strange. that. I don't doubt that at all. Sometimes it takes four hours, and you could watch three other movies, but you know. Yeah, but uh, and then these ones you gotta you gotta search and find because you know you gotta pay for them because you're like hey I, I pay for all these streaming services I feel like I failed when I have to rent something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that happens on a regular basis I've rented like three movies this week because I couldn't find them anywhere one of them is Karate Kid one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time that I don't have a physical copy of anywhere in my uh, in my home. Did I take the copies from you or do you? Yeah, you took the three oh, that's pack. Right. I did you take took the, the three pack. pack. So yeah. I had to, I had to drop a full on $4 for the 4K. Well, you know what? Uh, no, we're talking deep cut. Completely different in memory. What? Sorry. I was going to say, if we're talking deep cut appearances in Rocky, I think my favorite is still Apollo Creed's bodyguard. Who you may or may not know as Lieutenant Worf on the USS Enterprise. <laughs> what um, I did Michael not know Dorn that. showing up anywhere makes me happy. Michael Dorn showing up with Apollo Creed makes me really happy. What what makes me in, in tying it all into the the early eighties of it all is that Apollo Creed was originally TC from Magnum and was huh? on set. And was set it up and did did the fight. I was like, no, nah, this is unprofessional. This is horrible. I'm out. I my my deep cut guy that I did not notice until this viewing. It's in the scene where Mick is like, because you could have been a. He doesn't. I don't think he says contender. Uh, I don't think they right. go that close to on the waterfront. But it's basically like, and you turn out to be a bob working for that mobster. The uh, the guy who's in the ring. Uh, sparring or no he's the guy who took his locker as well uh, mm-hmm. he's in the ring sparring there Mickey is training him and it's the actor is Stan Shaw who's been in a billion things but most importantly for this connection he's the boxer in the fight in Snake Eyes Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes that like may or may not have thrown the fight in the midst of all of the chaos of that movie if you even remember that movie but a nice little piece of continuity that he's sparring in Rocky and he is part of a conspiracy, possibly, at this big Vegas fight in Snake being, Eyes. Being a De Palma movie, I remember watching it <laughs> and being confused while watching it and going, "What? Uh, I should just watch Raising Kane again. Or blown. I uh, remember the physicality blown out, blown of putting yeah. the no, VHS blown blown in out. the VCR blown out. and hitting Thank you. Blown. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the movie to save your life. Well, you know, it's 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 mid to late 90s nick cage you know he is the king uh, i remember movie, all if of you that, remember but 
It's fight night, and I am the king. Yeah. Gary Sinise is in this movie. You guys Gary Sinise also Gary did Sinise? it, by the way. He's the yeah. bad guy. Spoiler yeah. alert for everybody. Gary Sinise <laughs> did it. Sinise. So I don't, I don't need to rewatch it. That's cool. No, you don't. Yeah, Gary yeah. Sinise did it, and Nick Cage does end up killing him at the end of the movie, and they figure it all out. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm proposing <laughs> a really quick thing here. Yes, please. Uh, because we have, we have two elements of the franchise. One that I haven't seen, and one that Gavin hasn't seen. Yes. Here's what I'm proposing. Gav, sell me on Cobra Kai, and I will sell you on... I love it. That's a great way to wrap up, gentlemen. Go for it. Uh, Okay, so if you have any association with the Karate Kid, but you... Also, Which we know they do. They I'm, just I'm not, did a podcast with us for like two and a half hours. I'm not selling it just to Matt. I'm selling it to anybody. No, listening. you were specifically selling no, 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 it that's, to Matt. That's fair. Sell it to me and the broader audience. If, if I can't get Matt to listen, but I can listen, get the audience to, that's great. If I can't get them to listen, then he's not going to listen either. Okay, okay. Or okay. watch it or whatever. Basically, if you... If you've ever wanted to see what it's like to have something that you love and cherish made by someone else that almost could be the mirror image of you in terms of finding every single note perfect thing that you love about this entity, it it is this show. It is the perfect blueprint of how to take an IP that is at least 20 years old, how to pull it out dust it off show everybody who loved it hey remember this thing yeah you loved it i know you loved it watch what i do with it and single-handedly bring in millions of other people who have no idea what this thing is and be like wait a minute what there's this whole established thing i didn't know about to the point that i it it, it's going to be really tough for anything else to try and do this noah mentioned a while back we talked about the like the new mighty ducks thing that's on disney and how like he noah said cobra kai gave them the blueprint like he they should know what to do from this not only do you i mean it's very rare that you have like and the the big twist of it all is the show is from the point of view of the quote-unquote antagonist or villain and it plays out the idea that well maybe while this was a huge thing in the 80s and everybody thought it was great What's you can either look at it as well, what's the other side of that for the guy who lost, or you can look at it through the cynical lens of like, yeah, but that was like an illegal move, and like, you know, what the hell, man. And the way that they plot each person's life, what it's meant to them to either have won or lost, and then what they've done since moving it back in, it's I don't know, it's one of the best. I you you will never find another show that that meets the caliber that it does. And it's so effortless. It, it's, it's done in a way that you, you can't even believe it's being done because I mean, it's like you, and, and when you think you're, I, I challenge you to watch it and think, I know where this is going and see how many times you're like, well, shit, I didn't think I didn't see that. I didn't think of that because it will do that as well. When you think that you know what it is based off of your love for it, it will flip something completely and just effortlessly. And you're like, well, shit, so that, that no, 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 that's a good enough pitch or not, but that's all I got. 
right. think it was I think it was right. very good. I, I co-sign all of that. I will also say our biggest endorsement is Gavin and I have done about five and a half hours worth of podcasting about Cobra Kai the series. That's yes. all available on this feed. I reposted all of our episodes at the beginning of this year. So just scroll down a bit if you're listening to this and it's all right there for you. But we've done season recaps of uh, all three seasons thus far. So including our New Year's Day binge along. Yes, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so, yes. Right. And now, Matthew, please sell Gavin on Rocky Balboa, which I want to also co-sign with you. Probably the best movie of the whole goddamn franchise. Absolutely. Absolutely. The best movie of the entire Rocky franchise, counting Creed, Rocky Balboa. So, Gavin, as time goes on, do you feel yourself losing a step every now and again, having to put aside some things that you, you really cared about in your youth, right? As you get older, you have to kind of give some things up. You have to make some choices. Mm-hmm. You have to compromise in places. Now, imagine that you were the former heavyweight champion of the world, right? And you had perhaps the most important bout in fighting history. You basically fought the Russians on their own soil right before the wall came down. And you were told you could never fight again. The world moved on without you. Your wife died. Your kid doesn't want anything to do with you. And then suddenly you have this opportunity to step in the ring one last time and prove to yourself, not for anybody else, it's just an exhibition. This isn't a real fight. It's not a title fight. You're just in this to prove to yourself that the last thing that's going to age on you is your heart. That's Rocky Balboa. I'm like getting choked up. Just you describe, <laughs> just you describing it. It's such a beautiful movie, brother. You got to watch and he it. Can't, and he can't fight anymore because why? Like, why do they tell me he can't fight uh, anymore? Brain damage. Rocky five brain damage because of Rocky four. I thought, well, I thought the first, the second one is like, if he keeps hitting you in the head, kid, you're going to lose that eye. So, I mean, it, I feel like that's always been there. If you get that hit enough, it rock, has you're always die been rock. there. But literally at the end of Rocky Four, he apparently took so much damage from Drago that in Rocky Five, he's told he can never fight again. And he doesn't, right? He until he gets certified in Rocky Balboa that he is legally and and legally insurable to fight. Then he gets a chance to fight in this exhibition. The minor point, they, they gloss over that as much as they can. But mostly he's not fighting because of age. He's an old guy. He's running a restaurant in Philly. And he he's and he's managed his money from these fights, yes or no? Has he had Paulie doing the books? <laughs> he's not well off, no. Yeah. Um Polly like squanders Pauly... all his money, right? Yeah, yep. Rocky okay. Rocky v. Rocky yeah, v. Rocky also v. directed by Avildsen. Where everything goes to shit. The only yeah. one that Avildsen directs, uh, other than Rocky One. Uh, okay. yes. well, uh, at the end, we, he we, also we goes against the Rocky v. <laughs> Stallone's like, he dies. He fucking dies in the street. It's on the right. page. And Avelson's like, no, we cut away and the music lifts because there's a new Rocky out there somewhere. <laughs> okay. But uh, Rocky Balboa really is a love letter to Rocky one. It follows back on all of the narrative elements of the beginning of the movie that we loved, that that going through Philly stuff. The screw you creepo girl that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. She makes a comeback. 
Oh. She ends up being a pivotal part of the of the new movie. Is she the nurse um, that, that like says, "Hey, you can fight again?" No, okay. she's just a girl who works in a bar, uh, who's a little down on her luck, and Rocky gives her and her son an opportunity to to lift themselves up, just like he's done for everybody else throughout the franchise. It's dude, it's so good. Me and mom saw it in a theater with like two other people on opening weekend. And, and we cried our eyes out and we absolutely loved it. I don't know why. I mean, I know it did okay, but it is criminally underseen and underrated still to this day. It's and the best of the it? franchise. 2006. 2006. Yeah. When Matt, when Matthew um, and I saw it in the theater, it was also with only like four other people. Yeah, there was nobody there. Uh, nobody guys, gave I'm, a I'm shit. sorry. Yeah. I was watching the wicker man in theaters in 2006. Okay. Also saw that with mom. My God, what a that terrible explains. Movie. So, so much. So, <laughs> did you see? Did you see uh, the 2000, uh, 2007 Rambo movie? Yes, John Rambo. John Rambo, Rambo. Yeah. is is one. Yes, cut. it was released theatrically as Rambo. Yeah, I watched this um, Rambo in the theaters. Right. Did you Did you love that movie? You only got that movie because of Rocky Balboa. Okay. Yeah. That was when he was like, I can resurrect them all. And I was like, yep. okay, but where's my demolition man seat? Where's Judge Red? Part where's two. Cobra? Where's Cobra too? Yeah. Over absolutely. The top. Yeah. Take it over the top again. Push it Shouldn't to the limit one more time. Shouldn't we be living in the fast food wars now? Aren't they happening? Oh my God. Yeah. Taco Bell is, you know, at each other's throats. They're they're gonna come out on top. Isn't that how that worked out? Yes. Yeah, and the other day I was there was a commercial where Burger King was like, "We have won the chicken wars," and I'm like, "Oh God, they've started!" Oh God, <laughs> watch yeah, out! It's begun. Oh man. Uh so yeah, I guess maybe eventually we do. Is is that our next two by two crossover, Rocky Balboa and uh, Cobra Kai? You guys watch all three seasons? Uh, I don't know. It's a thought. It's definitely a thought. Uh. Any other any other franchise thoughts overall? We haven't really, I mean, we haven't talked much about the Karate Kid franchise no. or how you guys feel about the sequels. Um, I adore them all. I think two is incredible. And to your note yeah. about opening up the scope of the movie, um, I think it might be the most visually compelling Avildsen movie he ever made, personally. Um, it's still... Absolutely. It's still a little rote in places and a little expected, but um, definitely a, a huge leg stretch compared to uh, the original Rocky and uh, the original Karate Kid as well. Absolutely. Uh, so I hugely vouch for that one. And then I am the weird person, along with Gavin, who thinks that three is an underrated masterpiece. I'm not, I'm not even being facetious. I genuinely feel that Terry Silver the villain in that movie is one of the best on-screen villains in movie history. I genuinely feel that way. Top I'm three. being, I'm being a bit hyperbolic, I think for some people, but I think he needs to be in the conversation when we talk about what makes a fantastic on-screen villain that you love to hate, that you can delight in, um, being infuriated by them for like the majority of the runtime, but still somehow feel like I just want to know more about this guy. 
I want to like, where's the movie about this guy? I mean, you know, uh, I get it. I, I, I had that intense dislike of tall people. <laughs> Fair enough. Because he towers over everyone. He's a giant man. He's a very, very large, tall man. Uh, who is only like six months older than Ralph Macchio. Which is still so wild to me. Yes. But that was that was the one that I saw over and over again as a kid. And I was so haunted by the idea of he's not with Miyagi anymore. He's right. he's betrayed his sensei and he's being lured away to the dark side. I was looking at it through a very like Star Wars-esque lens of my kid brain at the time where I was like, right. this is him being tempted by like, that no, Daniel, this is not the karate. And like, you don't see this guy's manipulating you. And I was so invested in it because I had this two movie relationship to this kid. And I, again, I feel like I, at this point, I cannot separate my childhood attachment to it from my adult right. viewings where it's like, Yes, I can see that some people would watch this movie and say that it is campy or over the top <laughs> or is flat out bad, but I cannot right. see those flaws. I cannot watch it objectively anymore because for me, that is the what would normally be like the Empire Strikes Back, the downer like chapter, a little darker, et cetera, before the ultimate like triumphant finale. But it's the weird third movie. It's the closing chapter with Machio, and it's all about testing the bounds of that relationship between those two guys and that chemistry that we talked about and seeing that betrayed. I just recently, uh, cause I wanted to hold off on watching any of the other franchise movies until we talked about this. So now it's a free for all. And I'm probably going to go back through all the other Rockies and karate kids, et cetera. But I watched on YouTube, just the scene where Daniel has the rug pulled out from under him, basically in part three and the reveal of like, Crease is still alive. We've been manipulating you the whole time. You're going to have to fight Mike Barnes. You're in deep shit. These three guys could kick the shit out of you right now. And then Miyagi shows up and fights. And the very end of it is like, so now will you train me? And then boom, we're into the training montage. And then we go to the final fight. But just that sequence of when Miyagi shows up and that relationship is like back together, I get the same emotional charge that you're talking about from the Rocky movies from moments like that. And I fully recognize it's totally my childhood nostalgia, like manifest right. in me as an adult, but it just plays for me. I think part three is a fucking masterpiece. I mean, I, I understand there's this movie that came out in the Rocky franchise when I was 15. It's a little movie that everybody else like pisses all over. We can talk about Rocky V. I understand <laughs> Like you said, I understand that people see those things in that movie. All I ever see is a 15-year-old me glued to the set going, man, man, Don King should have been in this movie because like that's Don <laughs> fucking King. Right. Like, he, he's going to betray him. He's going to beat Rocky to death in the streets. That's where this is leading. Stallone, yes, I saw the script. I, I get it. Uh, Allison was right once again, but oh God, he's going to kill Rocky in the streets. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, he has no time for his son. This son. That, you know, is just a minor character that shows up when there's problems in the other two movies and has a fucking robot. No, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. They're back on the streets. They're back in Philly. This is taking it back to Rocky. I believe. Take it the, back. I believe do, the writer. Do, do, do. I believe the director. Like before. There we are. We're back in Philly. Oh, Polly. Oh, oh, 
oh, they made Paulie worse again because he got a little better in four. But we're back no, in Philly. Paulie never got better. A l- he a just little, got cut a, out of a, the movie a little, more. A little, a little. <laughs> he got trimmed from the movie. And by the way, Stallone is fixing that. Okay. So Stallone has recut Rocky Four, uh, and is going to be putting it out at some point. And whoa, he felt whoa, whoa. that there this tragically a, was not enough Polly. This is a current thing that's gonna happen. Yeah. No, no. It, this it, is yeah. like the. It's this is like the Godfather Coda. It's been going on over <laughs> two, two years. Two years. Yeah, he's been doing oh, this wow. for the last two years. He parlayed his contract for Creed Two into an opportunity to re-edit Rocky IV. Uh, because wow. he always felt gotta, that Rocky IV was a compromise cut. That well, he I got to ask the question. The studio. Yeah. Why, why touch a masterpiece? I, I'm being well, serious he feels here. it's not. I think four is an incredible movie. It's 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 my I don't, it's my yeah. bad taste favorite. Right after Rocky Balboa being the legitimate best of the franchise, four is a hundred percent my favorite one to watch. On a given night, I would throw on four ahead of any of those other movies. I I really would. It's so entertaining. It is right a hundred percent a product of its time, but it is what a time capsule. Sure. Oh my god. Sure, yeah. I like Rambo three. I understand. Um, you get it. I don't. I you don't get like it. Rambo three. At all. <laughs> yeah, I really but, honestly uh, with that he franchise always felt, tap out in first play. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, I was joking. I do not actually like I, Rambo I, three. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was not as thrilled with the final result uh, because basically he ran out of money in the edit room, uh, and MGM took it from him and put it out there, right? Mm -hmm. So he felt it wasn't ever finished. And when he signed on for Creed II, he convinced the studio that held the rights, which wasn't, I think it wasn't MGM at that point. It was Lionsgate? That sounds right. I think MGM had ended up being Lionsgate at that point. Um, He basically said, I want to make another Rocky movie, and I want to rewrite... I want to re-edit Rocky Four, and I want to do another Rambo movie. And they said, okay, because he had just won major awards for having played Rocky in Creed. Mm-hmm. And they felt that they couldn't do Creed Two without Rocky. So they were like, give him what he wants. Oh, it's and that's fault. how it happened. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's their fault. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't even understand it because Creed is a perfect exit for him um absolutely and then it's and he was two, thinking that that was the case the whole, he was like i'm done here yeah and yeah. two they have to do the whole sick narrative right rocky no, sick. that's that's in creed that is in that's creed. In creed never one. mind okay i need to rewatch yeah. too i only gave it the but one shake in done. theaters yeah he was done he was out and they were like you know we can't do this one without you 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 want awards and he was like well you want me I'll do it. Sure. You give me these three things. And they of course said, sure. Why not? But, but that Rambo, because he's Sylvester Stallone. That's what, that's what they do. But, but I wanted to vomit at, at the Rambo movie. Yeah. Um, but they let him fucking do it. I would just, you know, why isn't he advocating for re-editing staying alive? Cause that, <laughs> that I want to see. 
Right. Well, I, yeah. I, I legitimately mean that that is one of the most me and my, me and my girlfriend watch it probably once or twice a year because we adore Saturday night fever. Fantastic movie. Um, and then often when we finish it, I will be like, Hey, do you want to, <laughs> do you want to watch one of the worst sequels in the history of movies? That is so entertaining. That entire, like, like half hour Broadway finale, Satan's alley. Like what, what is that? That is one of the most bizarre things Stallone has ever committed to cinema. How much cocaine were they on? I must know. I would love to be a fly on the wall for the entire making of that film. See, I, uh, I, I have a thing about Saturday night fever. What a bizarre uh, artifact. When I, when I watched Saturday night fever as an adult, I was like, how did I miss all the rapes? A hundred percent. Perfect example. Saturday Night Fever is truly, along with Jaws, those are my first 70s movies that I saw over and over again as a kid. Um, and it, it truly was like, I remember watching uh, Saturday Night Fever in Japan. So I must have, I would have been what, Gavin, three or four? The most four. I have like the opening, you know, the Bee Gees music, the walk, the, the tracking shot. In my memory, I have the main dance club sequences, but exactly same thing. I obviously mom was like, he's not going to pick up on the rape as a four year old. This is totally fine. And every time I watch it, I'm like, this is the epitome of you go back to it. And you're like, no, this is a 70s character study. (laughs) This is not some poppy disco movie that you think it is it has iconography that makes you think it's this like pop art piece of entertainment but it's fucking real it's it's a pretty bleak outlook for those characters and you want to talk about a mm-hmm. an underdog that is uh tough to identify with and like also tough to root for uh that you somehow still want to see succeed at the end of the day also anchored around a relationship that makes no sense whatsoever. We gotta we gotta save Saturday Night Fever for another conversation. Doesn't Sorry. the gentleman throw himself off a bridge in that movie as well? Yeah, but inadvertently, it's kind of accidental. But he is uh, he's he's pretty upset at the time because yeah. uh, his girlfriend's about to have a baby, and he's Catholic and he can't get an abortion, even though he asked all everybody uh, if that's an okay thing to do. I mean, yes. If you want to watch, if you want to watch a fun, poppy, disco-driven '70s fun movie, watch the following years. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, oh, dude, fantastic movie! Early Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yes, I own it on DVD. Great movie. Yes, fantastic pick. Patrick and I finally like are on the same page with something. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude! I was like, is he about to say, "Thank God it's Friday"? Please say, "Thank God it's Friday." Love that movie. Great shit. Okay. Um, okay, guys, this, I mean, this was a blast that we, I think we were coming up on three hours or close to it. Does anybody have any final thoughts? I feel like we could talk about both of these franchises forever. Um, I do want to say to the listeners, uh, thank you for joining us for all of the two by twos this season. It's not stopping. We're going to hit one every month. Um, but if you have any suggestions for movies, you'd like to see us cover, potentially in a crossover fashion like this, if we want to do more of a versus pairing, because um, there's definitely, I, I wonder how many other movies we could think of by the same director in two separate decades that are almost weird mirror mm-hmm. versions of themselves. 
How many times same, has that happened? In the same decade or within like a span of each other? Well, with in, in two separate decades. So we got Rocky as a 70s movie, Karate Kid as 80s. So another director that has made two movies in, in separate decades that are remarkably similar thematically or just straight up, hey, I made the same movie again. John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 and Ghost of Mars. We, I mean, we could do Done. that. Yeah, the the decades don't have to be close together. I oh, know. I'm I mean, saying they aren't. I mean, that's, a, that's that's like almost thirty years apart. It's a solid example. And I also Hitchcock. Yeah, definitely. And he made the same movie a dozen <laughs> times. Uh, yeah. yeah, quite a few times. Uh, then I have yeah, to watch I, Ghost of Mars again. I was have gonna to? say one. I'd of, have to watch what? Ghost of Mars finally. Guys, have to. Oh come on. Have okay, to. it. This is just not fair that you. Okay, if Gavin has to watch Balboa, you gotta watch Ghost of Mars. <laughs> yeah, but I I saw Ghost of Mars twice in the theater. I saw how did it once you, how the did theater. you how did you manage to avoid it, Matt? I don't understand. He was, he was I lucked out. Like I had a day off. You I'm like, missed oh, I'm gonna out. Go, I'm gonna go. You see missed Ghost out. Of Mars. That's I don't happened. feel that I did. I don't feel that I did. I've heard many conversations we, about this another movie. Mo- another movie. Me, Gavin, and my mom. It was the the first. And only John Carpenter movie we were able to see the, the in theaters. We saw it opening weekend and there was like three other people there and nobody liked it that saw it except for the three of us. We thought it was great. We had a blast. Uh, that was our introduction to Jason Statham. I was yes. like, Ice Cube can actually yeah. act. Okay. Even though I should have known that already, but I hadn't seen Boys in the Hood, etc. at this point. Um, and Natasha Henstridge who I don't know what the hell ever happened, but she should have, she should have had a better career. She really should have. She was good. The Carpenter movies that I saw in the theaters. Well, there's John Carpenter's vampires, which proves that Terry Silver is really not that great because he can get taken down. (laughs) (laughs) But Jimmy fucking Woods. I mean, we talked about this. I was going to say guys, probably. I, oh, I, we did do a to, to set the, to set the record we straight. Tell I, I love any time we get the four of us on mic together, but possibly my favorite conversation we have ever had is the Carpenter Revisited episode on John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, that was that was something special. That was a, that was a favorite. That was did great. We stuff. Re, did we recast Austin's Creek with yes. Vampire? Yes, we, we certainly did. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to tandem post this episode on the late fees as well. And then I think I might give everybody a special treat and Carpenter revisited, which is only on the Patreon at the moment. I might drop the vampires episode over there. That's a solid two and a half hours that people can go enjoy. Um, Yes. Anyways, if anybody has any suggestions for future two by twos for the rest of the year, we are open to them. You can email us the at gmail.com. Shout out us on Instagram at the archive network or on Twitter at the archive. Gavin also handles our Facebook. Just search for the archive on Facebook and yep. Gavin will Gavin will chat with you personally. Anything you need, any kind yep. of consultation that you require. Uh, yes. Stay tuned. For, I do mortgages, um, credit cards. Um, yes. Savings hey, pal. stuff. Yeah. Get all your credits on there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And we will hopefully soon have some, some brand spanking new content from you guys on the old late fees waived, uh, feed. But for anybody who's not already subscribed, go, go do that. 
And you can also just search the Archive Network and all of our, our shows will come up. That one included now. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to everything we got out there, even the old dead feeds that we don't use, but I keep public because you know why the hell not? Uh, yeah, because this lots is it. Of, lots uh, this, of stuff to go explore. This is it for me. For well, unless you and I do something, Noah, this is it for me for me because I'm fucking off to Florida next week. So yeah, Gavin, Gavin is on vacation coming up, so we may try and squeeze in one more episode while he's gone, or maybe I might make him Zoom call me while he's on vacation and talk to me maybe. about movies for about an hour. Uh, but yeah, and I, I would, again, I would love to at least do one more crossover two by two for sure before the year is over, maybe sure. as like a, a Christmas present, uh, even if we record that one in advance. So maybe we can start brainstorming uh, what that would be. But I will tell you, Gavin and I for sure, and, and possibly Matt and Patrick as well, uh, will join us next month, depending on what we decide to do. But again, go go tell us your suggestions, thearchivy at gmail.com. Uh, that's all the housekeeping guys. Uh, any, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I think any you're the outs? best around. That's so sweet, brother. <laughs> I think you're all the best around. Um, and you've all I got the eye of the I tiger and you can change. <laughs> they can change. Everybody can change. <laughs> oh God. We'll fight the good fight. I'll fight the good fight. I'll fight the good fight. I look, look, I always look, I. <laughs> yeah. Karate here. No. Karate here. Yeah. Karate, Karate never, never here. here. Never here. <laughs> One of my favorite bits, sorry, is the. Absolutely. Uh, she's, she's, she's his translator. I can't understand any of his commands without him. Oh, he says you have a very nice smile. You're right of his uncle, blah, blah, blah. And then when he walks away, he's like, welcome. That is perfect Pat Morita comic timing of like, yeah, yeah but I do actually speak English. Ha uh, Also, the Miyagi into Miyagi, Miyagi. has never yeah. played so well as now where I was like, you know what? It's almost like a little grace note that they, they don't ever lean on the until we get to part two, where we open with crease, literally like dropping the S bomb. Um, on Miyagi, uh, they don't they don't lean too hard into the the racial dynamics at all, but it's there and it's just a little subtle thing of like, dude, you're not saying my fucking name right. I've been really polite about it for a bit, and now I'm gonna correct you, Daniel son. And then it's like it's, but I love that it's not overplayed, and it it pays off when he makes the announcer, hey, say say my fucking son, say his name right, dog. It's Miyagi. Yeah. Anyways. Absolutely. Okay. I love and, that. Uh, yeah. And and my, my final thing actually has nothing to do with neither of these franchises. Yes. But to remind the audience and to remind the four of you that Michael Myers is coming. Oh my God, guys. Yes. That's going to uh, be, that has to be the next big thing. If we not got something before then, we got new images. Um, yes. We will definitely be doing that. Oh, okay. We can tease this as well. We're definitely going to do that. But here's the next time we'll do a crossover. This is a no-brainer, guys. October of this year, we will pit two horror movies against each other. We'll pick one. You guys pick one. Or we can each nominate and put it out to the fans. But we will definitely do an October episode and a Halloween Kills uh, instant night of review, hopefully, if we are all able to safely see it in theaters. Uh, But yeah, all things you can look forward to. 
Again, please go subscribe to Late Fees Waived with the Brothers Blanchard, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, keep listening to Gavin and I here on this main feed, even as Gavin takes vacation next week. We wish him well. Uh, for the Archive Podcast, I have been Noah. I have been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard I've Brothers here with... I've been Matthew. I'm still Patrick. We're the Brothers Blanchard, even though I stepped all over everybody's dick with that. Sorry it's, about it. It's all good. It would not be an episode or a Zoom chat, rather, if we did not inadvertently interrupt each other every five minutes. You no, know, what um, you're supposed to say if we did not inadvertently do a lot of dick stepping. That's dick stepping. Yeah. Would you yeah. not? Come on, man. And now you're stepping all over he, mine, he trying to correct me about that. the first dick stepping. And, you know, anyways, Maybe we've we all been. the new dance craze. <laughs> dick step yeah, on dick out step of here. Dick stepping. Dick stepping. <laughs> For sure. Jesus. Uh, Yes, a lovely way to wrap things up, guys. I, I love all of you very much. Uh, we've been the Cousins Blanchard, <laughs> and we've been talking uh, Rocky and the Karate Kid here on this month's 2 by 2 Retro Review. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you all for listening, and good night, and good luck. <laughs> and please, gentlemen, jump in with your exits. Go ahead. Say whatever you want to say. No sign-offs? Uh- Everybody's bailing. Yeah, okay. I, I, th- I think, I think we're gonna end with uh, good night and good luck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when in doubt, quote the great Edward R. Murrow. That's what I uh, always say. <laughs> <laughs>